Don't turn around. Dan. That's not Dan. Don't look at me. Who are you? I have so many names. If I could... If you look at me, you will die. Who are you? I'm behind you, Toby. I'm right behind you. Don't look, don't look at me. One look and you will die. I'm reaching out, Toby. I'm so close. Don't turn around. Oh, I can touch you. Live from Sanctuary Base 6, this is Doctor Who Podshot. Doctor Who Podshock episode 44 for the week of June 20th, 2006. My name is Ken Deep, and literally next to Mr. Louis Trapani. Yes! As we are reunited across the ocean, Mr. James Norton. Hello. In Leeds? Are you in Leeds this I'm week? I'm in York this week. In York. Yes, Old York, uh, uh, Old York and New York. Yeah. There we go. Old York and New York merged together to bring you another swinging super edition of Doctor Who Podshock. It and is uh, the 21st yes, it's our anniversary, anniversary of the Gallifreyan Embassy. Woo-hoo. So we are having a special anniversary show. If a you will. festive anniversary show. And actually, we're a month away from the one-year anniversary of Podshock. Pretty much, yeah. Back-to-back. Well, actually, Festival. this whole summer is full of anniversaries for us because uh, next month is our anniversary of the relaunch or the... Uh, the revised website, the interactive website, the sure. org, And then, and then after the that is anniversary the first of... anniversary of Podshock, um, our podcast. Mm. Late July is the 20th anniversary of Late Night with Gelly. Yes. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> know a, you were keeping track of that. Quite, yeah, quite a... Uh, that, there's a little independent film made by Lewis and I that is extremely embarrassing. Well, no, <laughs> there was, <laughs> it was more than one. <laughs> yeah, well... The sequel was wasn't uh, wasn't uh, up to snuff. Okay, the big news in the well, Doctor well, well. Who wait a minute, what? wait a minute. What? Hold, what? hold your hold your... the phone. <laughs> hold your Afrocentorians. Um, it's um, we should give because we do have it on our forums, and people got very upset that there was no spoiler warning for this. So, um, although I have to say that being a Doctor Who fan, I don't know how you're going to avoid learning about this. So. Yes. Um, we will give you fair notice. It's um, a spoiler concerning the end of this series and a particular character. So um, if you want to skip this particular news chapter, if you're on an enhanced podcast, or if you want to just shoot forward mm-hmm. if you're not on the enhanced podcast, please do so. Um, but like I said, if you want to continue listening, I think you're going to find out either, you know, anyway. So I don't think you can 
avoid learning. It's something this news. that's going to be completely unavoidable. It's it's all over the news right now. Yeah. At least the you know the British press. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, and it's also on the Doctor Who news uh, page as well. So, um, obviously, word had gotten out, and they wanted to make sure that they had their news on this out as well. So, um, it's your discretion, and we'll leave it at that. So, here's your one second to skip ahead a chapter if you don't want to hear this spoiler news story. Okay, time for the spoiler news story. The biggest, <laughs> the biggest news of the week, of course, is that uh, announced on the BBC official website, Billy Piper is going to be leaving the series after uh, the season finale. Although that has that been confirmed, or was it? Did they speculate yes. perhaps a? Uh, he, a she will special? not be in the Christmas special. Okay, so then she is leaving in the episode known as Doomsday, and the big question on everybody's mind was becomes, Satan right? Was Satan right? Indeed. <laughs> Well, well, according to uh, the commentary of Russell T. Davies during uh, Satan's Pit, uh, you know, he made a reference saying, you know, was, you know, he questioned the audience, you know, whether or not Satan was telling the truth or lying. And, and you have to wait and find the out truth about but, everything else. But the other statements that Satan had said all were true. But then he laughed and, and wrote it off about a second later. If you listen to the commentary, he yeah. said yeah. something along the lines of, well, we wouldn't do that. But. And just to refresh your memory, what Satan said was that she would die in, in battle. battle. Yes. Mm. Indeed. Uh, but, um, you know. Maybe she's going to play a video game and she's like going to die in battle. <laughs> but the Well, she may pull a Captain Jack and be killed and then brought back to life because the, these kind of things, you know. Perhaps she'll be on the Genesis planet. It's science fiction. Well, lately it's Doctor Who's been science fantasy, but that's another story. Uh, Lewis did not like uh, Love and Monsters. No. And that's what he's alluding to. Mm, but well, I did, strangely. It, yes. Yeah. yes, and I haven't seen it, so I'm playing The Independent. Mm. But we'll, we'll saying, talk about that next week, of course. Uh, okay, all right. We're not going to jump ahead of ourselves. I don't know if I can wait that, way, that long to get it out of my system. <laughs> I have to exercise myself. <laughs> 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 Interestingly, though, just as kind of a a bit of a, a a side note about the Satan Pit and Love and Monsters, comparing the two, the ratings were actually uh, predicted ratings for the overnight ratings for the Satan Pit were actually lower than those for Love and Monsters. Love and Monsters came in at about uh, 6.2 million, whereas the Satan Pit came in at a, a mere 5.5 million. Yeah, I, so. I really don't subscribe that much to the ratings. I, I mean, I me either, but it's know. because it's so subjective. And who's you know, first of all, you know, determining the ratings is is a flawed concept in itself, colossally then, flawed and, concept. And then you know, it all depends on you know how a particular episode is promoted, what else is going on. As Ken would say, with movies that are out at any given time, what else is it up against? And you know, what's, what is it up against? Yeah, Absolutely. So, and and are the time is the time slot consistent? And and the exactly. thing that really you well, know, we talked about this on the last pod shock is they just keep trying to blame David Tennant as if you know the world doesn't like the new Doctor kind of thing. And and when you look at the outside forces or forces being collected against Doctor Who with the time slot change and some of the other things, it's just. Uh... I mean, it's just like even, and it's not just the BBC. It's it's everything, and and uh, you know that we're you know it's a blanket statement. A blanket that we're saying statement because, about media I mean, in general. Yeah. I mean, mm. even the Sci-Fi Channel, the 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 ratings drop down with the Empty Child and Doctor Dances, and that's probably like one of the two best episodes of the series. Is that you can't really judge it on ratings because um, you know first of all the Sci-Fi Channel stopped 
you know, showing uh, promotions for promotions. the next upcoming yeah. episode with yeah, that. But you know, I, I just thought it, that, that it was interesting anyway, just saying that uh -huh. um, obviously uh, I think there have been a lot of people out there who rather strangely have been angry because, of course, it's only the one episode um, over the quality of the episode in, in relation to things like the Impossible Planet and the Satan Pit, uh, which we'll be reviewing later on after the news uh, mm -hmm section but we've got a, a, a stack load of, of news uh, here on the show so um, you know I was just kind of making the point that it's interesting even even though ratings are subjective and so on that uh, according to the overnight ratings that uh, it would seem that uh, Love of Monsters was, was a more popular episode than The Satan Pit which is uh, rather strange uh, well, could it be that people were tuning in for Peter Kay and um, possibly and that was a drawer? Indeed, yeah. <laughs> Draw people in, and of course, uh, another reason why people may have wanted to have watched it is, of course, this was the uh, it was featured heavily on on things like Blue Peter, Blue Peter, and mm -hmm. uh, of course, it was the opportunity where uh, it was the Blue Peter competition, mm -hmm. uh, the 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 monster uh, showcased, yeah, so. Yeah. Which was originally designed by a youngster, was he nine years old, I believe? Yeah, and, from Essex. The gentleman's name escapes mm -hmm. me, but uh, unless we reported it, cool we reported on that way back when. So there definitely was a lot of hype, especially with younger audiences um, who perhaps are tuning into Blue Peter and, and hearing about the competition. And I'm sure everybody who was involved, who submitted entries into the competition, was curious to see who won and how it came out. Mm. Um, so there, there is a little bit of a boost there. And and let's face it, the last episode was very dark, and perhaps some parents felt that it may have been a little too much for the youngsters to watch. Well, I know it certainly scared the pants off me. I don't know about <laughs> you guys. Um, and and I know you did the last podcast without any pants on. I, I made a note of that. <laughs> I, I've had to make sure that I'm wearing two sets of pants this week to, <laughs> to make up for that. Yeah. Just to make up for it, yes. <laughs> So there are a number of there are a number of factors that you know that can contribute to the the yeah. ratings issues. I don't I like Lewis don't subscribe to the ratings and and the the reason for that uh, is that you could have shows that have high ratings and shows that have low ratings and the shows with lower ratings like Doctor Who have a worldwide fan base who are extremely active um, and then you have shows that are popular that just people. You know, if they were as popular as people think they are, wouldn't there be more interest? Yeah, I think some people just put on the TV to to make some noise when they get home. And, you know, <laughs> did you, oh, did you guys watch Friends? Oh yeah, yeah, we had the TV on. Friends, I mean, you know. good lord, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I I agree with you. I mean, really, it's like the lowest common denominator kind of show. It's, it's the worst. But yeah, going back um, to, uh, I mean, we've kind of. My fault entirely. We've gone off on a bit of a tangent, but yeah, I'm. Yes, tangents. It's quite fun this news um, because we originally we thought this on Podshock, didn't we? That yes, the, that we, it was we did leave. speculate about this uh, for some time, and then strangely enough, there was a press release from the BBC, and we reported on that. And uh, just before the new series, the you know the 2006 series began, there was a uh, a press release saying that both, um, both David Tennant signed. and Billy Piper have signed on for the 2007 series. Series, you know, series three, yes. quote unquote. Yeah. So, you know, maybe that was just to draw fire, you know, to, you know, to kind of like draw the the speculation away from Billy Piper leaving the show since it was kind of 
um, well, you know, again, being we, spoke about so much. We can we can speculate, but it, it it could be something. It could be a lot more just simple than that. Maybe Billy decided that it was uh, the right time was, to go, or had something or else was, coming up on the horizon that she wasn't aware of when she she said she'd doing do the next series. The seven day a week thing, and you know the grind that is putting out Doctor Who. Perhaps again, she she maybe she just. Reconsidered and said, "You know, I'm really exhausted by that." Yeah, yeah. Well, well filming... we know she's been exploring movie options, and she's been looking into that, and that's what yeah, we were well, saying well, let's all just along. Keep just advise her that all she has to do is call David Caruso to ask about that kind of situation. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, seriously, don't... though, I, I think uh, full respect well, to Billy because mm -hmm. she's done a terrific job yes. on this series and the last series. And mm -hmm. uh, obviously she wants to further her career. And as Kenneth said, nine months of filming Doctor Who out of every year is a, a long slog if it's seven it's days a week. Sure. And, you know, and she obviously wants to further her career because I think before Doctor Who, certainly, well, I think I can speak for quite a lot of people in, uh, in Britain that um, thought that, you know, she was just a, a, a pop star and, and wasn't a very mm -hmm. good actress. Oh, yeah. And I yeah. think she's completely turned that around because she's exactly. shown that she can act and she's yeah. terrific, really. So, yeah, you know, she, I, I mean, can't she's say surprisingly so. She, she was um, incredible, you know. Um, yeah. And, I, and uh, you know, everyone has said the same thing. I think everyone's, you know. was was pleasantly surprised that the casting of a pop star worked to our advantage, you know, that mm. she did have something underneath there. But that's the making of of a huge star is when you know they can make that crossover and make it work and that's that's um i think it's fair to say that she's on the verge of superstardom because she's proven that she's you know she's tackled pop music and she's tackled acting and you know what it what whatever billy piper seems to want to do she can pull off so. mm, mm. i mean uh She's allegedly signed a. Uh, I don't know whether this is true or not, but she also recently signed sort of a six-figure uh, sum for for her autobiography. I don't know. Whether that's oh, I heard true about that. that yeah, I, wow. I remember reading does, it somewhere. Yeah, she does a bit of modeling as well. I've seen a number of pictures that are strictly modeling. So. <laughs> We're that's saying nothing. James, I'm saying nothing. From James's collection, apparently. <laughs> Now, now, this is this is a uh, a G-rated show. None of that. <laughs> yeah, you have to tune into James's other podcast to find out about all of that sort of stuff. Indeed, yeah, all that kind of. Well, now on related news, um, the rumor is that former Crossroad actress Femur Ageman, and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing her last name um, correctly, is the front runner to replace Billy Piper um, as the as Doctor's uh, you know as the Doctor's companion. Mm. Um, She's uh, known for um, the revival of Crossroads in 2001 and has been in Casualties, uh, the Bill and Silent Witness. Uh, Bill N. Silent Witness is um, tipped to become a permanent cast member on the third series of, um, of the revamped show. So I guess that's relating to Crossroads. Mm. Well, it... Um... This, of She's, course, um, the main the main source I should point out um, for this story is the Sun. Well, so... the Sun also TMC net. The Sun is um, also reporting it as well. I don't know who's who has you know where is this originating from. Um, she's the Sun is reporting that she's twenty six, and um, she's playing a uh, character. Um, Adola, Ad yes. Adela, Adela, yeah. Adela, Adela, whatever. Yeah, I, I can't I pronounce know. this. 
<laughs> Are you familiar with her at all, James? I, I don't know her well, at all. Well, Crossroads, uh, for those who don't yet know, was, um, they tried to revive it, um, but it was a, a, a classically bad um, uh, soap opera from, I mm -hmm. think it was the 70s or something, with, again, like Doctor Who, with very shaky sets. Um, <laughs> oh, she's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> but they tried to revive it, and I don't know whether it's still going because I must admit I'm I'm not a big soap fan. Um, it's not my cup of tea. <laughs> I'm not I'm not saying anybody who's uh, out there, you know, shouldn't like soaps, but that it's not my particular cup of tea. Um, but she's yeah, I have I am aware of her. She she is a very uh, attractive looking lady, um, and. It is. It has been confirmed that she will appear in the final two episodes of the series, as you say, playing this character Adola or Adela. Um, yeah. So it would make sense. I, you know, I really wouldn't be surprised if um, Billy exited in the Army of Ghosts, which is the penultimate episode. That would not surprise me if it was the cliffhanger or or whatever. Because it seems to me that the BBC with Doctor Who likes to um, kind of try to introduce the character. Uh, I mean, they, they seem to prefer to, with, with David Tennant, prefer to introduce him as the Doctor, have a regeneration at the end of the series rather than do it for the Christmas Invasion or something like that. Because when the Christmas Invasion came around... And certainly after the Christmas Invasion, when Series 2 started, it seemed like David Tennant had been the Doctor for ever such a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even yeah. though you'd only actually seen like him for 30, uh, 13 seconds or yeah. 8 minutes of the, um, the uh, Children Christmas, in Need special yeah. and then mm -hmm. an hour of uh, the Christmas Invasion, it felt like he was the Doctor. It felt like he just walked into the role and made it his own. So it would not surprise me if this um, lovely young lass, uh, mm -hmm. Friedma uh, Agenma, I, again, I'm sorry, I can't uh, yeah, pronounce I, it either. Same here, I wasn't sure. Um, but, uh, but it wouldn't surprise me if you. she walks into the role, and it would be a nice yeah. exit for Billy, whether she goes home or whether she is uh, killed off. Um, you know, uh, I don't think they're killing her off. <laughs> I honestly don't think they're killing her off. Well, it's it's that... very rare in Doctor Who, isn't it, that they'll kill off companions? Because to my mind, I can only think of two, and that's uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's of course yeah, Adric two, and Zoe. Our... No, 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 not, not Zoe. Not um, Zoe. Katri uh, Katarina. Katarina. And, yes, sorry. Yeah. And Sarah Kingdom. Oh, both of in course. The same episode. Yes, yes, yeah. But both of them short-lived companions. And then again, uh, with the exception of Adric, and Adric wasn't really well loved. No, they've never killed off a well loved character. Never a Romana or a Sarah Jane or or Tegan or anybody who's really been very beloved to the mm, show. Mm, mm. Um, so Rose has that status that 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 icon. I agree. Status, yeah. As a companion, that I don't think that she's buying it. That's well, that's my that's my you know Kruskin hat. I don't think she's she's going out. Yeah. Um. In that way. Well, I would I, ordinarily, Ken. You know that I would agree with you. The only the only thing that's kind of um, making me uh, think about this twice, almost do a double take, is because of what the Beast said in the Satan Pit. Yeah. If it wasn't for that, then I would agree with you. I think she for... she would go home. 
Uh, for those who 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 know their Bible, and I'm not one, so just so you know, but I believe, oh but I believe there is a, a line about that the devil would say anything or do anything to what, convince Bible you of you his way. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. but it is it is my uh, well. We'll talk about this later. It, it, you know, he, it, the character of the devil is someone who does things as a matter of convenience. Yeah, and because that because. Rose possessed the most immediate threat. I think he said what he wanted to say. Mm. But, you know, it was a matter of convenience. Mm. I agree. Uh, and uh, as the doctor said, even in the episode, that that, that Satan was well, the beast. Because I, 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 well, we'll talk about this. We don't. Later, we haven't established I, him as as Satan. That's right? right. Yeah, I don't believe he was Satan. But um, you know, I, I, he was playing, as the doctor said, on very basic fears. So. It could be completely true. He could have been telepathic, or like the doctor shared some sort of yeah. uh, insight into the future. Um, you know, who who can say? Um, right. But the, that's the only th that's the only thing that is preventing me from saying yes. She'll definitely uh, live on. But there's another thing as well because Billy seems to be incredibly um, ambitious and driven in everything that she does. Which is incredibly commendable, um, obviously, but I think that she'd be the type of girl to say to do things, to do something once, great, to to be to do the best that she can on that job, but then after that, never go back to it. So I wouldn't be surprised if she would have requested that they would have killed off her character because Doctor Who, being Doctor Who. Unless you kill off someone, there is always the possibility that you can go back and revisit that character at some later stage. And like a bit I, like Christopher I, Eccleston, I can't see Billy doing that personally. I I agree with you to a certain degree, but I think there are ways of of removing the character on a permanent basis. For example, the way they did with Mickey. Yes, there's a possibility Mickey could return, but they really, really wrote. The story to yes. say we're not coming back. You yeah, cannot turn around. It's not going to happen. And they could do the same thing with Rose. I, I believe. They yeah. Could yeah. Do Some have speculated that's what would happen. That she's going to go and join Mickey, in the alternate universe. And yeah, but she. I don't think she would leave her mother. Yeah. Well. So she would. She would bring her mother with her <laughs> and 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 reattach her with with her father and uh, um and and Mickey and. But Brian you know and, what's interesting and is fight the Cybermen is is that um <laughs> it's rumored that it's and die in battle that at some point that Jackie will be traveling in the TARDIS with the Doctor and Rose. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! That's not allowed. <laughs> so I I would no, not oh, be no. surprised if you know. If they maybe they both get killed off, who can say? Maybe they maybe Lewis is right. Maybe they both go to this alternate dimension to to see Mickey. Uh, certainly, well, well, we will know in three weeks. We James. will. Well, I, in a way, I don't want to know because it, I don't want the series to end. It's I've just been loved every minute of it, and uh, mm -hmm. it's it makes me sad to think. I kind of after the Satan pit, I I woke up and I thought, gosh, it, the series is going to be over soon, and and that was. Yeah, Lewis and I were discussing that actually last week. We were saying, "Geez, we only have we only have four episodes to go." You know? And then production begins on the Christmas um, story, which and, is right around um, the corner, according to Russell Davies. Yeah, and, um, in his commentary on the Satan Pit, he was saying that he first he mentioned Torchwood, and he said that you know they're in full swing and using a ton of 
CGI special effects. They've, they're keeping the mill very busy. So <laughs> we, we know that that's in full swing. And then he was mentioning that they've already got the Christmas and the next Christmas special ready to roll. And he's he mentioned, this was very curious, he mentioned that the season three finale has already been planned. Yeah. So he's looking way ahead. Mm. Yeah. And, I, and again, I imagine with the amount of planning and, and the, the efforts in these productions, you, you'd have to plan this far ahead. Mm. I mean, when you think about it, it's a year away till the season three finale. Well, that sounds like a long time. Not in television production terms, no. it's not. Not when it takes well, nine months to do the series. Yeah. Right. Anyway. I mean, Julie Gardner in, in that article about FEMA uh, taking over the part, um, you know, mentions that, that uh, she says we're in pre-production on Doctor Who 3, meaning series 3 of the 2007 series. Um, we'll be filming for 34 weeks beginning with the Christmas special. So that's 34 weeks of, you know, of intense, you know, production time. Yeah. 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 Anyway, so should we move on to, to some more news unless you gentlemen yes, have you, uh, any more Yes, no, you wanted to, um, we wanted to make a mention, and I think James, you wanted to, um, I think, talk about it. Um, unfortunately, we have, we're, we're losing one of our writers that was originally supposed to be, um, you know, writing a story for Series 2, then it got pushed back to Series 3, and now, due to time constraints, it looks like he may not be writing at all, at least uh, for the time being. Yes. Um... Stephen Fry, who mm -hmm. originally was going to write an episode for season two, for series two, uh, which was going to be episode 11, but they he, he had to pull out because he didn't have enough time and uh, also due to, to budgeting uh, constraints, I think, because I think they yeah. did not have enough money to envisage what he was yeah, talking about. Exactly, was yeah. Thinking about. Um, yeah. for... In order to do justice, I think Russell T. Davies said we don't have the budget for to really make it work in this series. Let's do it next time, next series. And I think that was, um, to my understanding, that was the reason why it was pushed back to next series so that they could have the financial muscle to make it really, you know, come together. Yeah, right. And um, I first actually read about this on on Doctor Who Online, our, our good mate Seb, who runs this fantastic website. Uh, who we have been in partnership for a long time and hopefully will uh, continue to, to do so and strengthen our mm -hmm. relationship because uh, we've all been terrifically busy and uh, not had the, the time, unfortunately, but we, we're hoping to strengthen our relationship with Doctor Who Online. But anyway, he says, uh, over the past few days, there has been uh, rumours circulating that Stephen Fry, who was expecting to write a script for Series 3 of Doctor Who, has pulled out... Owing to, owing to lack of time. A transcript of his VIP chat on the Douglas, uh, Douglas Adams Continuum Forum had said that Stephen had uh, said the following about the, uh, the Doctor Who script. Unfortunately, I've had to pull out of the Doctor Who gig. Lack of time. I just couldn't find three minutes to string together. Barely enough time to go to the lavatory these days, let alone take on new projects. Sorry about that. It is rumoured that the, his script would have featured the Doctor battling a villain from the age of King Arthur. Uh, and this is also uh, being reported by the, the Mirror newspaper, which is... Oh, so uh, that must be true. Of course, absolutely. Tabloid news. It's uh, every ounce of truth in it. But originally, <laughs> uh, that's where... Hey, how about that new theme song, huh? Yeah, well, maybe we'll uh, hear more about that in the next few weeks, eh? Um <laughs> But yeah, that is certainly something that um, 
that is interesting, although as we say, we, we don't know uh, that it's corroborated, but if it's uh, from the, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy fan website and it's uh, Stephen himself saying that, um, then obviously that's if that's from the horse's mouth, then I think we can pretty much agree on that. But if it's the mirror, then maybe not. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the mirror anyway, but uh, there we are. Mm. But those, uh, those, there is some more news, uh, gentlemen. I, I don't know if you chaps have anything else to report on. Um, well, I just, I just had one uh, that the BBC is reporting on a certain historical figure uh, that the doctor will be meeting. Oh, of I course, once, yes. Go ahead, mate. Again. Sorry. Um, <clears throat> Shakespeare and for the second time. Yes, I was going to say once again he's meeting Shakespeare, and. Um, I'm trying to see if they they don't really give you too much information about it. Mm -hmm. um, Old Billy Shakespeare. Yeah, <laughs> but it's it's great that they're going ahead with this, like because it's nice that they're bringing so many sort of literary figures into yes. Doctor Who. I mean, it's it's always been the case in the past, but it's nice that they're being true to the classic series. Like in series one, of course, we had Charles Dickens and so on and so forth. So it's it's great that they're kind of making it educational and and making people interested in because obviously the the show is target audience is is primarily children. It's just got such a a big fan base because of the simple fact that it's been going for so long. Um, but it's nice that they're trying to get children into into books and into literature, uh, which is I'm not a very uh, a very... I hear in series four they're going to uh, run into uh, Robert Ludlum. <laughs> what the chap who wrote um, all those <laughs> know, those books? Uh... <laughs> or maybe they'll go and visit Douglas Adams. That, that would be great. That would be very. Speaking cool. of li literary geniuses. Yeah, that would be very cool if they were to do that. I don't. I don't know how they. Who would that. you get to play Douglas Adams? I don't know. Stephen Fry would be a good uh, a good choice because obviously he's, he was a very good mate of Douglas Adams. So. Yeah. That would be uh, awesome ins and outs. So, but yeah, um, in uh, in other news, uh, there's the has been alluded to uh, that we finally have. We've kind of reported on this slightly before, but it seems like we have concrete dates now for the Canadian release of of season two. Uh, broadcast also, the Canadian broadcast. The broadcast, yes. Sorry, not yeah. it's not coming mm -hmm. out on DVD as yes. yet. And also in Australia, it appears in the schedule on, on CBC, which is, of course, I believe the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, that Doctor Who is scheduled for Monday at 8 o'clock on the 9th of October of this year. Um, they're, not, they're keeping quite tight-lipped about it, but obviously they've had to release uh, some scheduling information about it. Uh, so it's, it's as we had previously reported on it's definitely coming out in the fall anyway it would seem um and it has and, gone straight loose mate no i just wanted to make a mention as far as the, uh, the the canadian one goes the news for that we're going to have mike duran on later in this episode uh, that which i believe will speak more about it definitely um and as with regard to the australian broadcast is of course abc is uh, picking up. So we've got the BBC, the CBC, and ABC taking on in Australia. And, and there's been some strong speculation about the Sci-Fi Channel picking up the series too, as well. Yes. Because, um, yeah. That's been um, it. The, well, the they're ratings... going to need something to replace wrestling with. <laughs> well, <laughs> I heard the, about the ratings... this. I couldn't believe that. But anyway, I'm yeah. sorry. Go on. <laughs> I, um, 
have been doing very i mean for its time slot you know compared to i think last year at the same time you know they it was you know doctor really won the ratings for its um time slot in you know in comparison to the first quarter of last year i believe Mm. so i um, there's high speculation. I don't think there's been any official press information as far as um, they definitely doing it. But um... well, all I can recommend, and then, like I said in past podcasts, this is the time to hit that feedback at sci-fi.com. You know, email, letters, phone calls, whatever it's going to take. Well, phone calls are probably pretty useless. They probably get an automated thing. Carrier pigeons. Yeah, whatever it takes to get the word out to sci-fi. That we're here and we're dying to see the rest of it. Mm. Because the show did end on a cliffhanger. And mm. if the audience is very vocal about, well, what happens next? You don't have to say that you know about the next series. You could, uh, you know... Play it like you, you don't know that there's another dog. Well, what happens? Who's this guy? You know, when are we seeing the next episode? You, yeah. you you email and you ask and make your presence felt to Sci-Fi Channel that there there are more than the ratings indicate. And that's, once again, you know, we'll go back to the inaccuracies of the ratings. Oh, well, yeah, it looks like a million people watch Sci-Fi Channel. How do you know that? Let's, let's, let's go through this. Let's count some people. Let's count mm. heads. Mm, mm. Because I believe there are more people out there that are that were watching it. But anyway, going back to what I was saying briefly, that Australia has actually confirmed that it will be airing Series 2, and that it's, that it's going to kick off, of course, with the Christmas Invasion from the 8th of July at 7.30pm. <laughs> so it's not actually that l- long away. You know, that's only, what, mm-hmm. less than a month away. Yeah. Um, Just Christmas away. in July. Indeed. Well, in it's quite funny because they must have filmed it about that time last yeah. year. So Yes, they did, yes. Yeah, it's quite interesting that they've done that. But I guess... No, so, it's, it's picking up right where Series 2 ends exactly, um, on the yeah. BBC. When... What's the scoop with this thing we were reading? I, I heard some conflicting reports, um, and, I, and I really haven't gotten any clarification on the Hartnell first season. Oh, oh no, that was a mistake. The bottom of this. Lewis got to the yeah. bottom of this, didn't you, mate? Go on, sorry. Yeah, th- well, this, this is what happens when, um, when the powers that be at the BBC or whomever, I'm not going to point fingers, insist on calling ser- you know, the, the last year's series Series 1 and, and this year's Series 2 and all that. Because we really technically already had a Series 1. That was 1963. You know, it was Season 1, if you will. And um, anyway, so there was a box set. Uh, obviously, we all know that... Series 1 or the 2005 series, uh, there's a box set available. It's been available in the UK and Canada and, and soon will be on July 4th in the US. Um, anyway, there was a, um, I believe, a, if I'm not mistaken, an Australian retailer um, that um, put up on their website Series uh, 1 box set. And it, they took that to meaning the 1963 season and they included all the episodes, you know, of the, of of that first season and saying that was a box set, so people got all excited that they were releasing this mega box set of the whole, of whole first yeah of the first season. Well, the of, first of indication that it should have been a mistake was that they had they included Marco Polo and the Reign of Terror in there, and and well, Marco Polo is completely missing. So yeah, well, the, where I mean, the hell did they included, come up with that? Marco Polo was abbreviated in the in the most recent box set at the beginning. Yes, and I mean they could have done something like that, but but anyway. It, it turns out that um, the Doctor Restoration team had confirmed that it's actually series the 2005 series one, not the, two, the not the 1963 the series one. Okay. <laughs> mm. Well, 
our investigative journalist, Louis Trapani. Well, actually, I can't take credit for that. I think, (laughs) once again, Taras, our our, um, Dr. Hugh Hugh Pachak um, correspondent, if you will, he's been um, part of the team here for some time, had, um, I think, brought it to our attention. on top of things. And speaking of Taras, Taras has also brought it to our attention uh, that there's going to be another Dr. Who marathon on the Sci-Fi Channel, this time on July 5th. Um, Just in time to promote the box set? Well, yeah, I was just going to say, the day after the box set, that comes out, they're going to be do marathoning starting at 8 a.m., and I believe that's uh, Eastern Time, uh, with Rose, then the uh, then it continues with The End of the World, The Unquiet Dead, Aliens of London, World War Three, Dalek, The Long Game, and Father's Day, mm-hmm. which, um, by the way, is today. Today's Father's Day yes. for us. Yes, <laughs> certainly here in the UK as well. It seems that Mother's Day is different, but Father's Day is the same. A bit weird, but hmm. hey. Interesting. I don't know why that is. Uh, card companies getting the wrong days. <laughs> <laughs> all part of the conspiracy. It's sort of like that Region 1 and Region 2 thing. It's all artificially yeah. um, manipulated by the powers that be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, a little bit disappointing that we're not getting, that Australia is not getting a... William Hartnell season one DVD box set that that would have been very promising yeah. for the rest of us, but yeah. but it's good that it that it was cleared up and and now we're now I am squared away in that department as they say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Any, um, any other news to report? I think that wraps it up for the news. I mean, there's a lot of news. Uh, once again, we encourage everyone to go to our website, thegallifernembassy.org or pachak.net. There's uh, news stories being posted there. There's also links on our website to um, other new, um, sources of news. Um, and information. News and just information. A, a, so, a, uh, wealth of, a, re- a wealth of information. And then a lot of people are using our forums to post news articles, and we want to thank those Great people stuff. as well. Yeah. And um, So... Don't feel limited to uh, just our podcasts. Mm. Contribute is what we what we like. What we like to well, see. Well, we have a review of the Impossible Planet and the Satan Pit on deck, as mm-hmm. well as uh, reports from correspondents around the world as we celebrate yes. the 21st anniversary of, of the, the Gallifrey yeah. Embassy. Mm-hmm. And we'll be right back right here on Doctor Who Podshock. Hello, I'm Elizabeth Slayton, and you're listening to Doctor Who Podshock. What are your feelings on Doctor Who? Well, it's a quaint little show. What are your feelings on the club? On the club? Oh, this club is so good. It's the best club I've ever been in in my life. But it's the second club. How about Icon? Kind of boring. <laughs> but overall, it's a nice convention. Good deal is I haven't been in there. John, how are you doing? What are your feelings on Doctor Who? It's a quaint little show. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about the club? Uh-huh. What about the Gallifrey Embassy? Oh, awesome. An icon. Icon. A little bit boring, as SPJ says. All the opinions are the same. Okay, that's what we like to see, originality. It's like, oh, the third how do you feel about Beth? Beth, how do you feel about Doctor Who? Hey Tim, what are your feelings on Doctor Who? It's a quaint little show. I feel that there's a quaint little show which just epitomizes the difference between good and evil. And the club? And and Gelly? I feel it is an absolute genius idea to have the local members getting together and 
think Sneak is going to get killed. I think Sneak. Well, don't you start laughing either, Lou. Don't you start laughing. Lou, this is going to be for L.I. Mike, how you doing? Oh, hi. How you doing? Great. What are your feelings on Doctor Who? Uh, my feelings on Doctor Who. It's a, a, it's a great show, and I would like that. I would like to see someday that they make a movie, a Doctor Who movie. And um, I'm going to continue watching it for as long as it's on the BBC, and as long as it's on television. Probably the best thing that's ever come into my life. I've, I've watched other science fiction programs, but no other program, no other science fiction program like Doctor Who has ever moved me like Doctor Who. What are your feelings on the club? The club? I've been a member so far two months, and I'm, and I'm, I'm very, very impressed. I'm having a ball. I just hope that it, it continues to get better. I, I think it's going to get better. That's good. Okay, we're back with Doctor Who Podshock. We're celebrating our 21st anniversary. Yay! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> and uh, joining us um, with us is Mike Duran, our uh, Canadian correspondent. He's also uh, the PR person for the Doctor Who Information Network in, um, in the Great White North, I think it's uh, referred to. Yes, yeah. Canada. <laughs> Hi, guys. Uh, congratulations on the anniversary of the club. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. I can't believe we're legal now. We can drink. <laughs> uh, legal drink. In the U.S. Though. Yeah, by those, those, those strange drinking laws. <laughs> I don't know where the time goes. You know, I started the club when I was just like one years old. And um, and here I am at 22, celebrating my 21st anniversary. <laughs> I was recently moving some um, boxes to my storage space, and I found... The original scrap of paper that I wrote Lou's address down on, because when he started the he club, he started stalking me. I... He had he had just put his home address down as as the head. I, and being a, a young, and he rode his I, bike out here. I'm like, who's this kid years old? Me? I I just assumed it was a giant headquarters. I was so disappointed <laughs> that it was a house. Was I'm like, like, where's the Doctor Who fan club headquarters? <laughs> I'm like, wow, I had my chameleon side. circuit on. Of course it looked like a house. I had to blend in. <laughs> yeah, but that was great. I saw Lou's Flyer up in uh, a store that's no longer oh, with yeah, us, the, the Incredible, Incredible Pulp, Pulp mm -hmm. in Baldwin, and uh, and signed up. Said, Sign uh, me up for a Doctor Who yeah. fan club. That, that Flyer actually did a lot of work. We we did... Um, <laughs> I got... Uh, one of our... You were a Castellan, and uh, one, we also had... Um, Oh, I guess he was, he wasn't, a, what was the anti-doctor's title? Who knows? Know. But he discovered us through the flyer as well. And um, we're, we're going back. Well, I don't, don't want to alienate. We do have some of our original uh, members still listening to our podcast. We just got a message from uh, Tim, Tim Grogan Tim today. Grogan. Um, he's uh, He's been listening to the show and he's one of the original members. Yes. And um, maybe we should um, later on in the show give a surprise phone call out to one of these people. Yeah, we should do. That'd be <laughs> awesome. Yeah. You know, back in the old days, I guess in the 80s and in the 90s, uh, different clubs I was involved with in, in the Ottawa area, as well as north of Toronto, we'd have that happen where my dad would tell me, oh, there's some, oh, I may be 14 years old running the Doctor Who club, and, and there's some guy at the door looking for the you know, Doctor Who headquarters, just like you said. <laughs> <laughs> you know, thinking yeah. My address is on a flyer, and, and they think that they're going to show up and buy merchandise, and and it's it's just my you know my family's house. You know, yeah. I was 15 years old. I I see 
an address on a flyer for Doctor Who thing. I just said, and I see it, and it's it's in my hometown. I'm like, I've got to go over there. Holy cow! What a stroke of luck! <laughs> <laughs> and I and, shattered his dream, so yeah, forever scarred him. Lou had his um, <laughs> dot matrix printer going, printing out the newsletters of life. It was called our newsletter. The ambassadors of life our newsletter, newsletter. Yeah, going going way way back. Um, but a lot of a lot of effort and a lot of fun in those days because it was so hands on. Yeah. Uh, there is something to be said about the speed of the internet, where information travels instantaneously around the world, and we've met so many people around the world because of this this great thing that we have. But back then, it was a little more you know, like you said, hands on. You had to do everything yourself yeah. you had and, to lay out and do artwork and take pictures and scan pictures and go to the mail go to the post office to mail things i mean it was it was very and then we had a, we did our monthly meetings our first meeting yeah, was at the holiday well. inn sure um, and that was um was that was that july it was September. Oh, it was September. That's right. Five or it was September. No, it was at september of 85 yeah um in a holiday was our first inn. our first meeting yeah we rented a um, a smaller hall in the Holiday Inn and um, invited all our members down, and that's how we. And we're still in contact with uh, what about six or eight people yeah. that were at that meeting mm -hmm. to this day. All that, of us. Uh, that's yeah. laid down the the groundwork for the organization, and we had um, our core people there that that became part of the. Um, and for many of you who who met us at at Icon, High Council. Um, Working the Gallifreyan Embassy table, you know, with people like Tim and Keith and Pete and many of the people that were there from the very first year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, th those are long-standing um, Doctor Who, uh, I should say, Gallifreyan Embassy members. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. When I when so good, we're gonna, we're, we're we're waxing a little bit of uh, nostalgic <laughs> here, but <laughs> you're making. But, uh, let's. So I was saying you're making me nostalgic as well because I wasn't, of course, I was never part of your group. But when I see all the stuff you did, we did all the exact same things: the the mm -hmm. pledge drives, the convention trips, uh, that's the old really fanzines. The sharing these experiences because Doctor Who fans, I think, across the country, or, or and actually across North America, had very similar experiences, oh, just based in their hometown. Um, the, yeah, there are there are probably some differences. But the the, mm -hmm. the common experience it, yeah. of, of coming together for the show, raising money to keep it on the air, making newsletters and, and, and going to conventions, those experiences are pretty much the same with just the change of location and mm -hmm. the change of face. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what was great about uh, Doctor Who, in addition to the, you know, the larger fan organizations, um, there were so many of the smaller lo local ones that... Um, because it's it, it's it's impossible for a large organization to organize uh, meetings, you know, everywhere to cover such a vast geographic area, um, and, and especially within a country or multiple countries. So it was, um, you know, smaller organizations that could form, uh, you know, that that could cater to the needs of of smaller localities. And as Ken was saying um, earlier, now with the internet, you know, the whole world is our stage. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, um, you know, so it's it's a whole different ball game. Well, I mean, but... the, the perfect example is you know look look at the people that we speak to around the world. You exactly. Know? Yeah. We're speaking with James, and you know, James would never have been a part of our organization. Yeah. No, we wouldn't we, allow him. We, of course not. We, 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 <laughs> we, yeah. He's British. Get rid of him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is a, this is a, f a fan organization about Doctor Who. We can't have Brits on board. <laughs> no Brits. No Brits allowed. <laughs> 
But there, but there, that's you know we're bringing this up and we're being a bit nostalgic in certain ways, a little bit selfishly. But at the same time, I think that, like I said, there's so many things that are common to all of us. Mm. Uh, if you were ever involved in any of the organizations, I think whether you were in an organization, you know, like you said, in in Ottawa, in Pennsylvania, in California, in Texas, wherever yeah. you may be, I think the the overall experience is very similar. Yeah, and with and um, and the passion that we all feel about it. Yeah, and with uh, with with Dwin back in the eighties, because I was I first got involved with a local group up in Ottawa. Uh, I was living, I was actually living in Quebec, but I drive into Ontario just across the border for the meetings. And uh, we later got involved with Twin, but back in the 80s, Twin had chapters from Nova Scotia and Arizona and British Columbia and Florida, right across North America. The, the, the Twin local group, sort of mm-hmm. modeled after the, the Doctor Who Appreciation Society local mm-hmm. groups they had in, uh, in, in Britain. And mm-hmm. uh, so it was, it was sort of the, almost the best of both worlds. You had the big club, but you had the, all the little local groups. And- you established a network, which was fantastic because you had the yeah. the strength of the larger organization and yet the, the individuality, yeah, of the, the intimacy local. of the smaller yeah. ones um, at your disposal. So mm. that's that worked very well. Yeah, the, the coming of the internet, uh, pretty. M- we still have a few of those chapters uh, in Ontario, mm-hmm. but the the internet pretty much put an end to the the big chapter system. It wasn't. There's still local groups, but. You know, people can talk on their own. They don't have, you know, have the two-month lag of writing into the fanzine, waiting for it to come out, and then then the next fanzine mm-hmm. to uh, to wait to communicate with people. I know. I mean, mm-hmm. it in a way, it's of course without the internet we wouldn't be able to be talking, and we wouldn't be able to do such a fantastic podcast and reach so many people and so quickly. But at the same time, it's it's quite sad in a way that all these smaller groups and. Uh, networks are all kind of becoming redundant in a way and uh, because I mean uh, we were just talking off the air that, that Mike uh, very kindly sent me some fantastic uh, DVDs of of, of uh, French episodes of Doctor Who well Doctor Who dubbed in French yeah. which is fantastic to watch uh, and he also sent me some some of his uh, episodes of in, Enlightenment which is of course the the fanzine from Dwin mm-hmm. and it's great to read stuff like that and you yeah. know have something that's produced in paper and that you can hold in your hands and you know because the, computers are great and it's great but sometimes you don't want to be tied to your computer and if you're on a train or you know it's, it's just great to read a magazine and to, to have something that is produced by fans for fans so I think yeah, we need to keep both going at the same time if well, wherever possible. That's, that's why I applaud Doctor Who New York which is a, uh, a metro New York area club here and um, I fully support you know we the Gallifrey Embassy fully support them and we want to uh, work together and and um, and I'm sure we're you know we keep on planning on these meetups that maybe we'll do together at one point but um, it, it's great that they they just celebrated not too long ago their first and one year anniversary and uh, um, you know it's great that new organizations can form and flourish they're doing very well and everyone that goes to their meetups um, have nothing but positive things to say. And it's great that people have a venue to meet other people that are like-minded. Mm, and yeah. it definitely ser- serves a purpose, even in this internet age. So hats off to them. And, um, and I agree with you, James. Um, I subscribe. I, I'm, I'm a member of Dwin, and I get the Enlightenment um, newsletter. It's, it's good to have something 
you know, on paper that you can just grab and reference and look at and, um, you know, without having to, you know, constantly go to a keyboard. Yeah. And there's, yeah. There's, places, there's places you can't take your computer to read, so. Exactly. It's always, yeah. nice, it's always nice to have a magazine. Well, you could, but people might look very strangely if you walked into the loo with a laptop or whatever to check out the, the Gallifreyan Embassy website or whatever, whereas Dwin's a lot no, more if you do, portable. If, if you do do that, we, we're not criticizing. No, no, we're not criticizing, but I'm just saying certain people not us in particular might frown upon that sort of thing you know but uh, not here at Podshock certainly okay so let's uh, shall we well, shall we go into well before we do we want to get Mike um, Mike has some news to tell us oh, about yeah. about Canada and Doctor Who yeah it's it's actually been a really busy uh, last few weeks uh, for Doctor Who in Canada um, probably the, the biggest thing that we've had happen is we now have an air date for series two on the CBC yeah, that's fantastic. And that's going to be Monday, October 9th, 2006, which is our Thanksgiving Monday. So we have Thanksgiving on a Monday. And the at 8 o'clock, Monday night. So it's moving from Tuesdays uh, to Monday nights. Better uh, slot, I think, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, uh, I'm not, we'll have to see, uh, see what competition it's going to be up against. Uh, I know that uh, Prison Break runs Mondays at 8, and I think that got pretty good ratings last year. So, uh, But hey, it's, it's, it's a better show to be up against than American Idol, which is what Series 1 was up against, uh, American uh, Idol and Canadian Idol. Uh, because, of course, it, because it's on CBC, you look at the competition as being the, the big network shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so we're all really happy that we, we've got that information this far in advance. And that'll take Doctor Who, looks like right through Christmas. Now, we know that CBC is going to be airing... Uh, as far as we know, they have the next Christmas special. Not sure if they're going to have the series wrapped up in time to air, air the next Christmas special at Christmas, or if we'll have to wait just into the new year to see that. Now, yeah. you've seen the Christmas Invasion already. Oh, yeah. That was broadcast at the same time yeah. as the British one. Yeah, CBC it was on Boxing Day or something. Yeah, was it was yeah, on Boxing Day, the day after uh, BBC aired it, CBC mm-hmm. aired it. And so you've been waiting quite a while then to see uh, New Earth... Oh, it really is a pretty sizable gap. Absolutely, of, of what ten ten months? Absolutely, and it's it's all of course. Uh, I think I said before it was all with the the NHL hockey playoffs really dominate CBC in the spring. So they, which is pretty funny because the ninth of October is the start of the season. So but they, they don't. They, yeah, CBC tends not to run game. They run hockey on Saturday nights, Hockey Night in Canada. Right. They don't run mm-hmm. a lot of games during the season on weeknights. Uh, so that's uh, it's it's only a problem so in, in the playoffs when there's. Uh, I don't know how many, eight, I guess at the start of the hockey playoffs, there'll be eight different series going up to seven games. Yes. So there's, I mean, you know, we're t- one day away from the end of the, the hockey playoffs, and it's, mm-hmm. I don't know, June, <laughs> the end of oh, June. Any, so, Have you heard about any plans to rerun uh, the show leading up to that October date? Actually, starting on June 21st, uh, um, at well, June twentieth, the night of June twentieth, morning of June twenty-first, at midnight, the CBC in their best of Britain time slot are going to run all uh, th- certainly the thirteen episodes of the first series Tuesdays at midnight, uh, twelve thirty in Newfoundland, uh, midnight across the rest of the country. Uh, they're going to run all through the summer to rerun awesome. the whole series to gear up for gear up for, for the new series. And and it's it's nice because it's a it's a different time slot. CBC has already shown oh. series one twice. They showed it Tuesday nights, then they showed it Sunday evenings a bit earlier. Now they're gonna show it Tuesday late at night. So it's a very different time Capture slot. A different audience. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure that as those repeats are going towards the end they'll really start promoting the launch of series two. 
And, you know, in the summertime, the late time slot would probably be very helpful in a younger audience, perhaps some some uh, younger folks who are out of school or out of college. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're they're out doing things, but then they come home and they're up late and they're kicking it. And, you know, there's oh, let's watch TV. And on comes Doctor Who. We may, we may find a new audience for it. Yeah. And that. That time slot, it's, 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 they, they always have British programming. It's called Best of Britain. So people that are, have a habit of watching that, sh- that time slot, whatever the shows are, sometimes it's something that's two episodes, sometimes it's longer. Never anything this long. So that the regular crowd that you know, may not have ever tuned in to the CBC for, for British shows at other hours, uh, hopefully we'll, we'll be pick up for the show. And I know they're hoping for better ratings this year. Uh, with uh, more people knowing what it is and maybe a slightly better time slot, better evening. I, I, I know the CBC wants to get They got great ratings last time, but they want to, they want to do even better. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll get those repeats. And we're also getting repeats in on the French language channel. On uh, It's a Z-Tele. It's a uh, science fiction cable channel from Quebec. It's available, on, it's available on digital cable pretty much anywhere in the country, as far as I know. And Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time... Um, they are rerunning all of Series 1 in French. So it's actually on the same night. Every Tuesday night you get Doctor Who in French, and then you get f- four hours later in English uh, <laughs> for the entire summer. That's uh, awesome. So uh, no word yet on when they'll pick up the second series. But they, they did, interestingly, pick up the, uh, the TV movie and ran it in French a couple weeks ago. And it had been uh, redone with the 2005 Doctor Who logo instead of really? the TV movie logo. Wow! Wow! So the, that is interesting. They—I don't know whether they've done this or this was done at the BBC. I—I I, I know that it was dubbed into French back in 1996, and obviously it didn't have that logo then. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're really trying to capitalize on the popularity of the new series. And that, that uh, is interesting. Were the entire opening titles similar with the time tunnel, the blue and the red? No, no. Or it, was it just the logo? No, they actually they took the the. It's still the regular TV movie opening sequence. And, and that, that theme by um, um, the, John Deb, Don, Deb John Debney. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And but it's got uh, they've put on uh, the logo. It's it, instead of Doctor Who, it says uh, Le Seigneur de Temps, the Lord of Time, and they they bring the 2005 logo swinging out across that. Wow. So it's a, it's kind of funny, and of course they they run commercials for Christopher Eccleston Doctor Who in the TV movie uh, to get you to tune in. <laughs> well, that Clever. would make sense. So yeah. so they must yeah. be pretty happy with uh, how how how. However, I don't know how we don't get ratings for a, unfortunately for a Quebec uh, science fiction channel, but mm-hmm. uh, they must be happy with how it's doing there as well. So that's mm-hmm. uh, lots of Doctor Who this summer on in on Canadian television, mm-hmm. and for of course anybody uh, you know. Tens of millions of Americans that live near the border that can get doc, you know, get CBC either on ten or through their cable, will get series one again, uh, and uh, unedited. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's got awesome. commercials, but there's there's no scenes edited out. So, but there's no no content. Necessary. Yeah, I have well, to say, um, watching the the French stuff, it was very nicely done. Even even though it still has commercials, you know, yeah. it, it wasn't as. I mean, I've seen one episode of. The American uh, broadcast on the Sci-Fi Channel, and it just got annoying with all the bombardments for advertising. And I, I completely understand what you, you guys were saying about the um, the pop-up ads for Ghost Hunters and all that sort of stuff. So, um, but and don't get me started on this pussycat <laughs> yeah, dolls doing the Heineken. Commercial. Yeah, well, let's 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 not go off on a tangent. But I'm just saying it was very <laughs> tastefully done anyway, the way that they did it. So I have to commend. Uh, CBC and, and Z Tele for uh, for doing such a good job on that. Even though they have to have commercials, obviously. Yeah. 
James just keeps me right in line. Did you notice that? <laughs> Thank you, James. James just... Stay on target. Yeah. Stay on target. Ha! No kidding. Uh, okay. And so... Thousands of listeners are applauding you too now. I know. Right? They're... <laughs> they're, all, they're all grinning. <laughs> So, so uh, we're going to go right into. Oh, um, I got, I'm sorry. Did you have more? Yeah, I'm sorry. A quick story. I'll let you, let you know about. Uh, I don't know if I don't. I don't think it's been mentioned before, and that is that in uh, on the weekend of July 7th to 9th in Toronto, Robert Shearman is going to be in town to do the uh, TT20 convention. It's a cool. big okay. uh, multimedia convention with uh, Star Trek and Stargate and people from other shows I don't watch, but they have Rob Shearman. And he's mm-hmm. going to be doing panels. Uh, he's doing guest panels, but he's also going to be doing fan panels. Uh, I'm doing a couple of panels with him, and Graham, who edits our magazine, is doing a couple of panels with him. That's great. Talking about Eccleston and Tennant. And, uh, Bring and... your portable recording device. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, and and I, say, I think Rob's doing eight hours worth of fan fan panels, wow. and not just Doctor Who. So I'll just let people know, uh, give out the website for that convention. It's www.tcon.ca. And that's that's in Toronto. It's out by the airport uh, for the uh, first weekend in July, second weekend in July. Uh, I think July starts on the uh, July first. I think is the the Saturday. Uh, mm-hmm. But it, uh, it's absolutely huge convention. Two three thousand attendees. Uh, Doctor Who's a sm- smaller but growing part of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, each year now, it looks like they're trying to get at least one Doctor Who guest out uh, to Ooh. appear at the convention. And, and we always have a lot of fun, and oh, Dwayne will be there. We're doing a news panel, and we have a, we'll have a, a table in the fan dealers area. Uh, well, all well Mike, I, I know you wear several hats. Just remember, one of them's Pachak. Oh, <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, you know what? I would love if uh, if you know anybody locally who's listening to Pachak or somebody that comes to Toronto, you'll come up and say hi at the Dwayne table. Or I'm I'm doing six hours of Doctor Who panels that weekend. Uh, That's all. Uh, that's all. That's, that's, that's the maximum I'm, allow, I'm allowed to do. There's, I think, there's nine different Doctor Who things and British things, and I'm only allowed to do six. Wow! So, uh, and wow, that, that's uh, fantastic. Or, of course, uh, on Sunday afternoon, you can come uh, find me in the bar watching the World Cup final. So, <laughs> and that's where you find James as well. <laughs> come on, <in> England. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so uh, Jeff, check out their website and their program, uh, the the guest area and the the programming area. You see lots of lots of interesting panels uh, going. So we've got the, the, a combination what's, of what's the website URL again? It's uh, www.tcon.ca, and then you you want to click on the top convention. It has a list of the, okay. the conventions over the years, and it's their twentieth anniversary convention as well. Wow, we love anniversaries, don't we? <laughs> but uh, it should be a fun weekend. That's great and stuff. And come out and show support if, if you're in the Toronto area or within a few hours of the city, definitely, or, or anywhere else. Come out, show, show them that uh, Doctor Who fans uh, give them support. Uh, it, uh, Doctor Who is probably higher rated on television than any other shows that they have at the convention, uh, but don't necess- doesn't necessarily have as big a fan base at the convention as some of those shows. Mm. Oh, we'll show them. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, come on, Podshot, don't let us down. I'd I'd go if I, uh, I'd love to go to Canada. I've never been. I'd certainly, uh, mm-hmm. it'd be great to go to Canada, and it'd be even greater to go to uh, a, a convention in Canada. To a con, sure. Yeah. 
Well, again, if 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 they do do they brought in a guest last year, they did okay. They brought in another one this year, they do okay. They'll you know bring in somebody bigger next year. Exactly, which is all no, the more reason. Not I... as any insult to Rob. That sounds so terrible that I've just said somebody bigger. But maybe maybe go for an actor. Uh, and my apologies to Rob for saying that. No, no, not at all. I'm sure he. he I've uh, met him and. Uh, Seen him interviewed. He's a, he's a really fun chap, and I'm I'm sure he wouldn't mm-hmm. take offen- offense to that. So yeah, uh, yeah. And we'll see. Hopefully, uh, get, sit down with Rob and uh, do an interview for Podshock or something while he's in town. Yeah, so, that would uh, be fantastic. Uh, try Please do. Because uh, I sadly didn't get the opportunity to at the at the Cavern Club, but uh, hey. Uh, leaves the well, door open for you, of course, old Joe. I'll, I'll I'll be holding him prisoner all week after the convention, so I'll try and take care of that. <laughs> Good man, good you man. Mean, like chained up and you know in a in a <laughs> downstairs in some sort of um, dungeon and and agonizing him. You know, never mind. I mean, it's a do Dalek you, reference. Do you, do you want to kiss Peter Davison? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, uh, we'll be right back with more Doctor Who Podshock. A review of Impossible Planet and the Satan Pit is coming up right after this. Oh, it's a sanctuary base. Deep space exploration. Welcome to hell. What are you not doing here? That's a black hole. That's impossible. This lump of rock is suspended in perpetual geostationary orbit around that black hole without falling in. There's some sort of power source holding us here. We're drilling down to try and find it. The TARDIS is gone. Well, whatever it is down there is not a natural phenomenon. And there was some form of civilization they buried something what are they called they're the ood basic slave race there's something happening with the ood and you will worship him you can tell tobin we found a civilization these are the words of the beast and he has woken I have been imprisoned for eternity, but no more. The pit is open, and I am free. And we're back. <laughs> Boy, that was quick. Doctor Who Podshock, Ken Deep. Right here alongside Louis Trapani and hey. gentlemen. Along with Mike Duran in Canada and James Norton in the UK. Mm. And we are reviewing The Impossible Planet and The Satan Pit, a two-part episode uh, that has aired recently. Mm-hmm. As we are, We're a little bit behind as to post-production has been a... Um, a little bit, running a little bit behind. Yeah, and, these two-hour uh, uh, pawchocks don't help either. <laughs> yes. And by the way, uh, bravo to Louis Trapani. Oh, of course. A lot of credit. Absolutely. Uh, Lou, who who spends many, many hours editing these things. And I know a few people sent some emails concerned that they thought the show had stopped because we were delayed yeah, we in releasing We had a week that we, you know... People, people were... Getting themselves, you know, agitated. They need their fix, they need their fix of pod shock. <laughs> and, and you know what was really amazing about that? Um, that's that people did email and were, and were worried about it. And that, that's very nice to know that that people are enjoying the show and and really anxious to hear the next one. And mm-hmm. That's the reason why we do this and and volunteer our time. You know? Well, we hope to kind of catch up with everything and and get back on track 
schedule-wise. And now that the Sci-Fi Channel has, you know, concluded their 2005 series, um, we don't have to, you know, edit. We don't have to uh, review two episodes at once, you know, per Pachak episode. And uh, in a few weeks, um, sadly, the BBC, um, you know, the series two or 2006 series will be coming to a close, and we'll be able to kind of catch our breath. And uh, um, we also have tons of submissions that we haven't gotten to yet. Tons um, of submissions. Reviews. We have people that sent in various reviews and uh, feedbacks and all that. Which um, plus uh, we have some classic interviews on deck that we've unearthed. Uh, yes. Our friends at mm-hmm. Destiny's Radio over at WUSB sent us some some classic John Pertwee and Colin Baker interviews from way back at some of and, the early icons and uh, we have yeah. some stuff our, uh, you know that we've done ourselves that we have our in our archives and uh being that this summer is you know we're, we're, today's our anniversary the 21st anniversary of the Gallifreyan embassy but it starts off a series of anniversaries and um so what better time to kind of pull the stuff out you know blow off the dust and um play we're gonna have you. a multi-doctor episode <laughs> because uh we got a uh, uh, another anniversary next month and another anniversary that we're celebrating the following month oh. I'll tell that. you what, guys, it's just occurred to me, but if, if I'm going to throw this out there uh, rather randomly. Should we duck? But if anybody has, I'd love to hear how people heard about Podshock and got into it and even heard about Doctor Who and got into it. So That would be a great way to lead into the the first anniversary yeah, of Podshock. Yeah, exactly. Oh, so, sort of how... I mean, what... what uh, number are we going for? Is it is it show fifty that we're gonna do or something like that? But anyway, just just send in our Zagreus. Yeah, just send in <laughs> some MP3s or emails <laughs> to us and and tell us what you like about Podshock and how you got how you, into how it. you discovered it. Yeah, and if you've and if you've been listening to the show on your iPod in. So, some kind of unusual story. Were you on the side of a mountain? Were you, you know, being chased by wild boars? Anything like that? <laughs> wild <laughs> boars. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, some people ride the subway and listen to it. Some people ride the the uh, the underground. Some people drive to work. Some people, maybe someone flies to work. I don't know. That'd but if awesome. you if you have some Superman, some I, I have unusual, listened on a plane. <laughs> yeah. So these are all. These are all interesting stories. It brings us into your world as much as you uh, as much as you allow us into your world by listening to us on your uh, your iPod. I'm just as curious about the people who listen. Mm. Yeah, and uh, I got a lovely email from a, from a fella in Hawaii who was telling me about the you know he listens to the show and uh, and I actually made a contribution audio contribution in today. Uh, we've just received it. And, but this is just great. I mean, Hawaii. Yes. I've never been to Hawaii. It's, it's to me, it's thousands of miles away. I believe, but I, I believe that's worth you speaking of. Uh, yeah, it's it worth. Yes. Who uh, mm-hmm. messaged me on on MySpace? There's a um, I I run the Doctor Who Podshock MySpace account. So, um, you know, always great to get messages from various mediums. And mm-hmm. all right, so let's get into yeah, this. We're getting a little bit sidetracked from we, the Impossible Planet and the Satan Pit. Uh, it was written by uh, Matt Jones and directed by James Strong. The, this, the this two episodes. Matt Jones, although credited with the writing, it seemed that Russell T. Davies did a lot of either rewrites or, or contributions on. Well, the story. It, with every story, there's there's it seems to be that goes through a series of rewrites. Yeah. And as um, executive producer, I'm sure Russell T. Davies has input on those rewrites and changes. And um, originally, um, instead of the Ood, they were going to be Sylvine, um, the, not the family, but that race of. I'm not going to be. I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce their home planet. Right, Socoric <laughs> There you go. Look at James. 
<laughs> That's uh, why we have yeah. a Brit on board. <laughs> actually, uh, Russell T. Davies in the commentary also mentioned that he uh, he's promised the deleted scenes from this episode yes, on, on the DVD, DVD which was great news. Wrote a memo. Yes, <laughs> fired off a memo. I love Russell T. Davies in his commentaries. I really uh, is someone uh, I think as much as meeting. David Tennant or Chris Eccleston or Billy Piper, I would love to meet Russell T. Davies. His energy, the energy. Oh, that absolutely! Brings. Everybody yeah. who who I know who has met him has said he is he is such an interesting character, and when you meet him, it's almost unbelievable because he's huge and he's this big Welshman towering over you and. Such a, I think even Rob Shearman described him as just like a, a big, cuddly gay bear or something along those lines <laughs> at, at the Cavern Club, which went down the storm. And It seems like a he really lovely a, chap. I'd love to yeah. meet him. Well, he has Trapani, a wonderful energy um, to him. Louis Trapani is a, is a smaller, cuddly teddy bear. <laughs> well. Just so you know. <laughs> Oh my! You're embarrassing the poor chap now. <laughs> I'm turning beet red. I'm sure I can't see. I'm looking at the back of his head. I'm looking at. I'm, I'm looking at the, the people are going to be. I don't mean. Uh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, so this it, it's just our seating arrangements here. That's all it is. <laughs> let's, uh, <laughs> I just stepped in it. Didn't I? He stepped in it all right. Uh, let's, let's, uh, start, let's start with let's, the impossible. Let's get planet, back to which, an impossible planet, which and, leads. It leads into the Satan Pit. Uh, once again, part one of a two-part story where the build-up, there's a build-up, there's a build-up, there's a build-up, heading into the second part with the conclusion and the res resolution and the conclusion of the story. Uh, I like part one better than part two me in too. this case. Yeah, me too. Uh, because I thought there was a lot, there was a lot of suspense. Uh, one thing I liked overall about the two-parter with the characteriza the characterizations, the, oh, the supporting players. Lou said it best. We spoke on the phone. He said they were they were cast against type, meaning that they weren't the this one has to be the funny one and this one has to be the heroic one. This one is the the wise guy or the you know the badass or anything like that. There wasn't those kind of characters. They were they were fleshed out very well. Um, they Excellent were casting, by the way, as well. Yeah, I, I thought really, all of them. Yeah. Um, Excellent job. Was, you know, there wasn't there wasn't the uh, the Roland Emmerich Independence Day school of casting. Okay, oh, we need to have the, you know <laughs> they have to have one black guy and uh, one Jewish guy and one funny guy and one guy who you know just that 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 they have to find a way of getting every demographic into there. They didn't view it like that at all. They were still a very diverse. Um, group of characters but they were not what you'd expect yeah from they weren't stereotypical no. and, and that's what kudos to the doctor who production team yeah i agree ken and i mean I, I think on paper you might have uh, you know if you if you wrote one line it might sound these some of these characters might sound cliche the the grizzled security guy and this and that but they did so much and gave them so much depth yeah and and again as you said with the casting that they I, I like that they, didn't they broke the cliche and background, they just like hinted towards their backgrounds, but it yes. gave them so much more dimension. You it, know, I love that they they left questions unresolved yeah. about the characters. But yeah. what I because not like, everything has to be ex, but, you know, just just laid out in front of you. Well, and it makes you think about it, and you know, like the whole situation with Jefferson's wife, and um, you what know, did he do? What? Yeah, how and, did this happen? And it just adds that whole dimension. Like these people have histories. They they just you know just weren't pulled you know out of a hat for this episode they they, mm. they actually have histories mm. Mm. but um 
I'm sorry. I was uh, sorry, mate. I was just going to say what I loved about the characters were also is the fact that they were so believable in the fact that they seemed like real, ordinary people. It wasn't as if they were... I mean, okay, the security chat was a bit militaristic, or however you say that word. But, you know, they they would just seem like ordinary blokes or uh, lasses that you'd find off the streets. They weren't sort of like, you know, particularly uh, scientific, or, you know, they were just out there exploring, because they could, you know. It wasn't... Uh, like it was NASA or anything, you know what I mean? Well, they it, went for a dirty look. Yeah, you know, it was very much look. in that spirit of Alien. If you've seen the movie Alien, you're introduced to these characters, and it has that sense of believability that these characters had histories, and um, and this is what the job that they were doing. And you know, watching the Impossible Planet, my first impression was you know Outland meets Alien meets you know the black hole, mm. and um, then afterwards uh, it was brought to my attention there's uh, Doom references in yeah, there too, heavily. even like a sound effect that. Um, it's well, I, I mean, I one of the things Quake that, or Doom that I I think if I had a negative to pick, I think it was too influenced by many other elements. Well, especially when we get to the Satan Pit, I think. Um, there was It was too heavily influenced with Alien. I, I, I realize they may have been p- paying a tribute to Alien and Aliens, but um, when we get to the Satan Pit in the whole corridor, you know, in the... In the uh, air ducts. Air ducts, thank you. Um, that, that was a bit too similar and, mm. you know, in certain respects. Uh, I, I found references not only to other sci-fi, but to Doctor Who itself. I mean, the, the mm-hmm. going down in the, ele- in, in the capsule was very green death. I mean, of course, Pyramids of Mars just stands out, you know. Yeah. Well, not only that, but even the voice. Even Gabriel Wolf being involved, yeah. absolutely. But, uh, and I, I was telling Lewis, um, I was telling Lewis during the week prior to the podcast that I had listened over and over and over again when the Ood started mentioning all the, the names. names for the devil, mm-hmm. here, listening for Sutek just to see if they would throw it in, um, just as a, as a reference to Gabriel Wolf being there. And... But they did mention Count Ibley. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's... It's not the first time science fiction explored, you know, the devil, the, the roots of, um, of if evil. there's any reality yeah. to the myth ology of, of the devil and uh, you know that there's a, a of course every other doctor who episode that ever explored this you know going in tom baker and part we errors demons and, uh but there were even uh joe Corallo, uh who's uh omega on our on our forums was mm-hmm. mentioning to me he thought there were elements of frontios in this mm-hmm. when the, in the um cut off from the rest of the world yeah vibe um you know these the, a group of desperate people uh, on the the fringes of the galaxy, uh, those elements as well, and I, I agree with Lewis with Outland, the black hole references, as black hole well, being one of my yeah. childhood favorite movies, and and that explores uh, once they not to give away the ending of the black hole, but there's heaven and hell themes being explored in that film in, as in well, the end of that film as well as the rocket flying away, the the rocket right off the bat is mm-hmm. uh, the probe ship, the the the, the Production design, very probe ship from the. I mean, even Russell D. Davies says it in the commentary and in the, in the uh, Doctor Who confidentially. I wanted a very Disney black hole. Yes, yeah, <laughs> that was my best Russell D. Davies. <laughs> Which, uh, very good. Thank you. Um, um, there's so the, I I I enjoy the elements. Being a Star Wars fan, I I come from a, a philosophy of uh, having multiple, having many influences 
being represented in a new piece of art. So I can appreciate that. I think that they that the production team got perhaps a little carried away, like Lewis said, especially when you got into the into the air ducts. Well, I don't, yeah, yeah. I mean, I it just seemed a little too similar. And then they on the shuttle, and you know, you know, the whole thing of the bolt going through the window, and it's sort of like Ripley throwing, you know, shooting that grappling hook at the alien. It's interesting. Russell, da- Russell T. Davies says in the commentary, you know, normally you should just turn around and shoot him in the head, but you couldn't do that on Doctor Who. No, so I made that come point up with to a lot of my mates who were like, why didn't you just shoot him? And I'm like, well, for one thing, that's messy in such a yeah. confined space. And another thing, it's Doctor Who. You can't do it's that. Like, it's a well, G-rated show. Yeah, but also we've seen that the, that the Satan entity um, left him at one point and went to the Ood. Who's to say that if he shot mm. him you know that that essence could have gone into another person on the shuttle and now purely uh, from an ethics perspective i found it a little unusual for doctor who to sacrifice a character uh, a, a human being that was clearly possessed by the devil but the devil left and when i say the devil we're leaving it open ended because the story makes the beast the, the beast, beast yeah the beast is yeah. better i think that you know that is this creature We're just giving it a name that's the, all. the creature is coming um in and out of of this character of zed interesting uh to be using the name zed for the for the character that he's a zero that he's you know he's nothing um but this this char- this devil creature could come in and out of the body so there should have been a resolve where the 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 devil the the creature is purged and the human being is saved. Rose sacrifices the human this human person in order to get the beast to fall in the black hole. I found that to be I think the doctor would have worked it out a little bit differently. I think he would have tried to have saved the human being. I think so, but also, I think she was thinking about the immediate safety of uh, the ship and and the crew of the vessel, and and wanted she was just acting upon impulse uh, and, because and originally, many... originally, don't forget um, when uh, the the security officer his uh, his name escapes me Jefferson. now Jefferson yeah Jefferson he he wants to kill this chap um, yeah. straight away and, she, and, and Rose yeah, is like and, no you can't do that but then mm-hmm. I think that then she realizes actually there's no way that we can yeah. save him yeah. you know it, how it, chilling was that scene when he's standing outside you know in, in the in the vacuum of space and you know beckoning her beckoning um Scooty. oh scary yeah. i mean and then he squeezes his fist and the and the you know the, the just like i said the for me the first part was really the terrifying part. The sec- the resolve in, in the Satan pit was, I wouldn't say a letdown, but it wasn't enough of a hammer punch for me to make to make this my favorite one of the season. I agree, um, and but also I, th- I think what was great about the Impossible Planet was that it was purely psychological fear. Um, you never see mm-hmm. this thing, but you know it's there. You know it has influence. The whole I mean, it sounds corny when you try and explain it to somebody else, but the whole, um, you know, Will Thorpe, who plays Toby, when he's sat mm-hmm. in his room and there's whispers and he's, yeah. he's working away and then the whole, you know, uh, don't, turn, don't around. turn around or you'll die, the, the beast Gabriel coming Wolf. in there, Gabriel Wolf again. Of just course, his Sutek. voice is just ridiculous how, <laughs> how well that was done. Yes. I know. Yeah. 
and it was just when you when you describe it to somebody else, it sounds like a complete load of rubbish. But when you see it, because it's so well realised, uh, again by Gabriel Wolf and and the the BBC production team, and of course Wolf Wolf himself. It's just so well done that it scares the living daylights out of you. It did me. Even, even my friend made a co one comment there, which he thought led it down, was the fact that it looked like uh, Toby had been covered in in uh, permanent marker pen with these tattoos. Mm -hmm. it, it, they were. I watching it again. I see what I saw. What he meant. They did look um, a bit tacky i suppose but i don't see any other way that they could do it but i he well, he, he my mate squithy said you know he looked like he oh, had just uh fallen asleep on on the sofa and and some <laughs> drunken some mates had come along yeah. and covered him in permanent marker pen and i, I agree with him you know it, so. well I, I guess another way they could have done it instead of having it black was maybe having it as more like a red rash that would form the letters and yeah like it was coming out from under his skin right like burned in yeah or, or sort in. of like but it, it took them long enough life. to do anyway. I, I, yeah, I heard yeah. it like three hours or something exactly. to put it yeah. on. And, so. how, and let me just take a quick vote with with the four of us here, with Mike joining James and, and Lewis and myself. Uh, who wants to see the Ood come back? I yeah, they, they were great. awesome. <laughs> and what I loved Oodles about the, of Ood. What I loved about the Ood it was the fact that they were models and it was no CGI and it was so well done. They, mm -hmm. I think, out of all of the aliens on Doctor Who in this series, they were so convincing. And I'm and so glad they used the Ood and not the Slovene and all yeah. that. Yeah. I'm glad they chose to go with a new race. Yeah. And they were, it, they really also had chilling moments with the, you know, and you will worship him. They all speak together and uh, loved the bit with Rose. You know, she says, I have a go with the, you know, the, the food and then the, the Ood just says to her, you know, the, the armies of the beast shall rise from the pit and make war against God. And she's like, what did you say? And he just, shakes his you know, thing. Sorry. It's great stuff. I mean, to just come right out and say that. It's just so, yeah, it's, yeah, it, it was really like, you, you know, on first watching, you you take a step back. You're like, what, what did he just say? There are children mm. out there that are going to be remembering this story and the Ood and then speaking together. And and Gabriel Wolf, obviously, for a very long time, <laughs> and and holding a white softball of some kind in their hand in yeah. front of them in this, in, in playgrounds. It's just going to stick in some some minds. A friend of mine. This was this was one story he was not willing to let his uh, his young daughter watch. Uh, I just uh, you know save on the therapy later in life and, and and keep her away from watching this one until she's a bit older. Well, I think well, I was going. Sorry, Ken. I would say the production values on this were really oh outstanding, absolutely outstanding. You know, you could see why, uh, perhaps in the Idiot's Lantern, and then later on with uh, we just just aired last night was the Love and Monsters. They perhaps skimped a little on the other, you know, made made a few um, tight budget kind of episodes in order to get this yeah. episode to be as as uh, as theatrical as it could possibly be. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, in, in fact, they were. But, uh, I don't want to get too far ahead, but they were apparently they were shooting uh, uh, the next. While well, they were still shooting Impossible Planet Satan, bit they were shooting the next episode in another yes. unit. So yeah. it was. Uh, it, I, I think yeah, I think you have a good point there, Ken. About they saved they saved up their pennies for for that that sure. one to give it a Make real good one. cinematic look. 
Mm -hmm. And it pays off because the effects, uh, the set design, everything's outstanding. Even yeah. um, um, Murray Gold's outstanding music, yes. you know, on this. It had its own theme and, and Murray flavor. Murray Gold never ceases to amaze me. It really doesn't. I mean, I, uh, that's really the truth. I'm, I'm Every week comes up with a different theme or a different way of... Of, and and what's great about the new series is it's an orchestra. It's not like just yeah. someone at a it's keyboard. It's not a keyboard, and, right? And it's, it's just it's, it's full really orchestra. full and fleshed out, and it it really just goes with the what you're seeing on screen. It's 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 in harmony with that and outstanding. And I just have to give a big 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 round of applause. Finally, we're off Earth. <laughs> you know, it's not in or around Earth, though Although, we are dealing with humans from Earth, and yeah, we had to have that Torchwood torch reference. I okay. knew you were going to say that. <laughs> they just couldn't help themselves with the stupid Torchwood I mean, reference. we know Torchwood is coming, okay, enough. <laughs> Well, I don't. We had the whole bad wolf thing last year, but it was more subdued. It was, it was very background. Yeah. It was yeah. subtle, and you had to kind of look for it. And sometimes you could miss it. And now it's like, okay, we know about Torchwood. And go ahead, Mike. Yeah, you know, I put myself in the, the the seat of the average person watching at home, wherever, whatever country, and you see this. And the you know the millions and millions of people watch Doctor Who on the BBC, and you know, it's it's a matter of thousands that read websites and know of that Torchwood's an upcoming TV That's show true, next yeah. year. So to a lot of those people, I think it is very much like Bad Wolf. It's what is Torchwood? They don't know all that we know, all the stuff that the fans know. They have no, yeah, but no every idea. episode but <laughs> almost. But, I mean, well, that's the thing. I, but I think for those home viewers, it's really a lot more like Bad Wolf than it is for us because we already know so much. Yeah, uh, that's true. It's, it grates on us because we're getting we're getting these reminders of something, even though we, you know, it's away from the show, the we know more. <laughs> yeah, and and, and yeah. certainly uh, back in Tooth and Claw, I really thought they went way over the top with the, the Torchwood reference. But well, had they stopped it after that, yeah. But I think, I think that yeah. would it would have had more of an impact. Yeah, and maybe one it. or two other times the whole series, and that, that that was you know, and maybe the final episode, obviously, to bridge over to the new series of Torchwood, possibly. But I mean, just it just yeah. got to a point think, where it's think, okay. But a lot of people aren't. Uh, I mean, a lot of people that aren't don't follow all the fan stuff may not even uh, may not even realize that. It's there. I know. I know. I talk, I talk oh, to some people that didn't. Yeah. They didn't notice Bad Wolf every time it was mentioned. You had to point out to them. People at the office. Well, the first time I saw the it. Idiot's Lantern, I didn't notice the reference until um, someone else had pointed it out on our forums, yeah. and I went back and I heard it. Yeah, mm. I think it's that. I call it. Last year, I called it the the water cooler uh, thing that Doctor Who had. Something to get people. Uh, around the water cooler at the office talking about talking Doctor Who. About it, yeah. In my office at the time, Bad Wolf was that. People had, you know, people knew I was a fan, so they'd come and ask me, so what is it? And, you know, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I know as much as you and, do, but this year, I know far more than they do. That's the, that's, mm -hmm. that's the weird thing. Well, the thing with Bad Wolf last year was that no one, not even the production team, knew in the beginning what it meant, you know, and yeah. it just, they, they built upon it on that, and then they came to, you know, they, they kind of strung a meaning to it when they got to the yeah, end. Yeah, we've known what Torchwood is going to be, you since, know, since last October. before the Christmas invasion, yeah. yeah. So, so well, we, we're clued into what it is now, whereas Bad Wolf was a mystery till, till the end. Mm -hmm. And I think that's perhaps what's driving... Doctor Who fans, like people like like us, you know, maybe like okay, enough of this already, because we know what it is. It, there isn't a mystery behind it. It's almost like a game now of how often can we, you know, where can we find the Torchwood reference? 
And I, I just want to make a point that I would yeah. enjoy both the Impossible Planet and Satan Pit just as much as I do right now if these humans were from elsewhere. I mean, it's it doesn't mean that everything has to be earthbound. I mean, <laughs> we just can't get away from Earth. Yeah. So, um, I mean, if I could just take a, a moment and, and draw everyone's attention, uh, since we're talking about anniversaries, if we go back 29 years ago, there was a little movie called Star Wars. I don't know if anyone heard of it. Um, it's now known as Star Wars A New Hope. And it dealt with, um, it, it, it was emotionally thrilling. Everyone jumped up in joy and, and went back and saw it again and, and felt very involved with it. Um, and no one was Everyone somewhere. cheered on the, um, the, the destruction of the Death Star. And guess what? Not one of them were, were from Earth. And not one of, it didn't relate to Earth at all. They were still just human beings. And, and, that, and that's where I think the connection lies. Yeah. And we, we, we can relate. That go. Absolutely. You know, it doesn't mean that everything has to be... And you know what? They don't have to be human beings to relate because uh, Leonard Nimoy played a very fine Vulcan on Star Trek that people still felt very emotionally attached to mm. for someone who was half human. Um, mm. So there's... You know, I think... I, I think we can, you can cut the ties from time to time. I understand that the show is supposed to be about the emotion and the characters, and there, there should be a bit of a tie. They shouldn't alienate themselves altogether, but I think we could have gone out on a limb and, oh, these people are from, you know, and, and a we colony seen, on Saturn yeah, or something. And, you know, it's like we could easily have bought it just as easy. You know, it wouldn't have changed the story. Anyway, <laughs> to bring everything to a, a, a lull there. Burst the bubble. <laughs> I, I can't. I, I can't disagree. I, I don't think it's going to change, but I can't disagree. So. Yeah, unfortunately, um, we're stuck on Earth. I feel like we're. <laughs> I'm. I'm kind of puzzled this this season about the occasional music references, and and for me, that's starting to get in the way if it's not a theme. And uh, let me clarify myself. Oh. We found Ravel's Bolero to be in the Impossible well, Planet where they're mm -hmm. working to. And well, if, if we, we saw week it, after week the theme of music involved in people's lives, well, and that if, was if, an undercurrent, I would believe it more. But it's the sporadic use of... But but getting back to that, that to me harkened back to Alien as well because uh, Captain Dallas was listening to classical music mm -hmm. in the shuttle, and I thought once again another, I don't know if it was a nod to Alien or whatever, but I, that, that's how I saw that. Um, but, but even okay, even if we said this was their way of um, pacifying uh, the Ood is through music to get them to be let's say more uh, less um, restless. Okay, and then in, in the Cyberman story, the lion sleeps tonight was to drown out the screams of, of the victims. If there was a theme going on behind it, I think I would understand it more. I don't think, I think it's, it just, I'm, I'm just curious about the motivation to put it in, is really... It's there for if, cinematic if reasons. I, mean. I think it's there for yeah. cinematic reasons yeah. to yeah. affect the viewer I, and... Yeah, um, I, I personally didn't have a problem with it myself. No, I, 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 I've only just remembered it now that you mentioned it. It's not something that I really paid attention to at the time. Um, I mean, it, Ravel's Bolero is is, very, is, a, is a piece of music that's very well known. It's a tribute to Torval uh, and Dean, so let's, let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> and and there's musically when it stops abruptly in Toby's um, lab. The the anybody who's heard the piece of music is waiting for the next portion and it stops abruptly. Mm. So you feel this something is wrong. 
mm. through the use of music. Uh, that part I understand. I just, like I said, I, I, I think I'm, I would hope there would be more to it, something of more substance uh, behind the use of certain pieces of music. True, but nonetheless, I, I don't think that majorly detracts from the no, story. No, no, no. That was just, that's just a distraction. That's been yeah, like I'm... like Torchwood is sticking in Lewis's. Yeah, car, that's it's, it's a, as you say. It's a bit of a distraction, but it's. I think, as uh, Mike has said, we need to try and look at this through the eyes of just the casual Doctor Who fan, perhaps, one well, who just the, tunes scared the willies in. out of the casual viewer. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah, definitely. I know so many people who have just been like, gosh, I mean, Mike was saying earlier how he wouldn't let his kids watch it. Um, actually, I was talking to Ian Bissett, who is uh, mm -hmm. the sixth Doctor on on the forums, and he was, he was mentioning that uh, his son... He couldn't watch all of it. He had to hide, be literally hide behind the sofa, and then go up to his room because uh, he found it too chilling. He, he was back for the for the uh, for next week's, but he he couldn't see the end of uh, the Impossible Planet. That's how uh, scary it was for him. So, uh, really, is the case. It scared the pants off lots of people. Um, just as a random comment that I've just, before I forget to mention it, I, I looked this up uh, as a bit of research um, because the, the voice of the Ood was just another fantastic touch that we were talking about. Mm -hmm. um, that was done by a chap called Silas Carson, who is yes. actually, actually a been... A regular on the show. <laughs> who's actually yeah. been in um, the Star Wars, Star Wars. Uh, prequel films. He was uh, Viceroy Newt Gunray from mm -hmm. episodes one to three. Uh, Kiadi mm. Mundi, uh, that's the guy with the Jedi Master. Yeah, yeah. the guy with that, the big, the big head, head. Uh, <laughs> and the co-pilot <laughs> of the ill-fated uh, Republic cruiser yeah. from from mm -hmm. episode. His only one. face shot, actually. It's human, yeah. yeah. And and then uh, another uh, senator, I think. Uh, I had a chance to meet him at one of the Star Wars cons. Um, it, was, it was a very nice guy, and and I was, and then I found out after meeting him that he was. He was he played I think an Auton in Rose and, and you know on and on he's one of their go-to guys for for <laughs> monsters and baddies. But I was glad glad that he got yeah. a, actually had a speaking part this time around. Yeah, and it was very as you say very good. The whole beast will rise up from the pit. Very convincing, and it was nice how they layered his voice over the top of himself at different frequencies. I don't know if this yes. was due to Murray Gold or whoever in post production, but very clever. And um, also, you had a bit of undertone of Gabriel Wolf in there. Uh, I think they must have spliced his voice in some way. It was very, very well done. Yeah. Yeah, coming in and out. Yeah. With, uh, with the oud. Yeah. 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 You know my name. What do you want? You will die here, all of you. This planet is your grave. Sim. 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 If you are the beast, then answer me this. Which one? Because hmm? the universe has been busy since you've been gone. There's more religions than there are planets in the sky. The Archivets, Quartonity, Christianity, Pash Pash, New Judaism, San Clar, Church of the Tin Vagabond. Which devil are you? All of them. What then? You're the truth behind the myth. This one knows me as I know him, the killer of his own kind. How did you end up on this rock? The disciples of the light rose up against me and chained me in the pit for all eternity. When was this? Before time. 
What does that mean? Before time. What did before time mean? Before time and light and space and matter. Before the cataclysm. Before this universe was created. That's impossible. No life could have existed back then. Is that your religion? It's a belief. You know nothing. Now, great stuff. Um, let's let's give our TARDIS groans to yes. wrap up this this review. I mean, I think we've pretty much covered a lot. Um, yeah. I will give. I will review them separately and say that the Impossible Planet was a five TARDIS groans episode, and the Satan Pit four. And if you merge them together, you'd get, you know, 4.5. Almost perfect. Not quite there for me. Yeah. But uh, easily the second best story of the season for me. Uh, I, you know, guys, I, I feel very strongly about The Girl in the Fireplace. It's still my favorite <laughs> of the season. I was hoping that the resolution in Satan Pit would, would at least tie it. It didn't quite get there for me, but it was still a very strong finale. Uh, mm. I like the first part, like you said, a little bit better than the second, so mm, mm. that's my take on it. Well, I agree entirely with your ratings, mate. I'm going to give it the same uh, five and then four and four and a half overall. It was very well done. I think I'm going to go so far as to say that this is my favourite. I love the, the two uh, parters. I think it's great that they do that because... Yes. Well, for me, you really can flesh out a story that way. Yeah, it brings and back it, the cliffhanger. It That's does. It brings back the cliffhanger. Doctor cliffhanger. And the Impossible Planet and the uh, Satan Pit was classic Doctor Who in the way that it was exactly. orchestrated. The structure mm -hmm. of the story. He loses the TARDIS. You know. Classic they stuff. Separate Rose and, and the Doctor. For that's the time. it. Yeah, that's right. They both go off and have their own little mini adventures, sort of thing. Um, classic Doctor Who, and for that alone, it wins. I just, again, this seems to me to be this kind of series uh, Empty Child Doctor Dances because the feel of the episode, the look, the way everything's shot is just genius, uh, especially for uh, television. This could easily be a movie. They could have yeah. easily have oh, spliced mm -hmm. these two together, just like... Yeah. Um, Rise of the Rise Cybermen. The Cybermen. And... Exactly. Lewis is thinking exactly on my wavelength. <laughs> um, you know, it could have easily have been a movie. That's how good it was. And I think it would have done very well at the box office. But obviously, you know, they don't want to do that because it's Doctor Who and it belongs on television. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I agree entirely. I, I have to echo uh, the two gentlemen ahead of me as well. Uh, I both um, I, I enjoyed the Impossible Planet more than the Satan Pit. Uh, I'll give that five um, Tardis groans. And then the Satan Pit, I'll probably give four and a half. Um, wow. I, 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 I think I would. Because it continues. The I mean, my only... Um, um, I guess um, negative thing to say, if you will, was that it just went a little bit too far in paying homage to aliens and alien, if you will. I mean, the yeah. whole uh, you know duck sequence, air duck sequence, was just too similar, and it's, I mean, and and it worked and all that, but it just was too much. I thought, you know, um, but otherwise, I mean, it was both very enjoyable. Um, I'm glad they used Strategy 9, you know, when they termed it that, not Plan 9, because then it would have been Plan 9 from outer space, and that would have been <laughs> really bad. Well, but just be glad I, they didn't call it Torchwood. Well, they did in the end. <laughs> um, 
it is very much a classic Who Doctor Who story. I mean, th- this was going. I mean, this could have been. You know, it could have been Tom Baker. It could have been um, Peter Davison's. I mean, could have just. It, it fit very much um, the Doctor Who that I know and love, and um, the story. Which, um, and I'm very thankful that it was away f- from Earth and wasn't called Earth or wasn't orbiting Earth and still had humans from Earth. But we're getting there. <laughs> yeah. And Mike, go ahead. Give us your take. Yeah, I'd love to be. So, con- sorry, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, Mike. I, I was just going to say, all together. I mean, as as a whole, I, I would give it. You know, both episodes together, five TARDIS groans, but individually, uh, five and then four and a half. Yeah, I'd I'd love to be controversial and say I disagree with you, but I don't. Uh, I, I'd have to give. Uh, <laughs> well, it's very to, hard to be controversial no, with such with a fantastic one. episode. Yeah. Yeah, like Lewis, I would have to give Impossible Planet uh, five out of five. And I'd say a Satan Pit four and a half out of five, but viewed as as one, as a single unit, I think that the first part is so good it bumps the second part up. Mm-hmm. So it's just yes. five across the board, just like Lewis. I'm not I gonna. Feel. I don't need to average mm-hmm. it out to four and three quarters yeah. or anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. no, that's exactly how I feel. Mike. No, I, and I and I I wouldn't disagree with either one of you gentlemen about that. I, I I'm just I was comparing it separately. That I just I think the the beginning the the suspense was built up so well. Well, also the beginning introduced you to all the characters and really laid the groundwork for the, what's you know the conclusion, which was Satan Pit. Yeah, I, I think yeah. the I think some of the dialogue in part one um, with some of those with some of those lines, like you know the beast shall rise from the pit, and then you know it, you know and you shall worship him. All some of the dialogue in part one was just so outstanding. That it was another element that for me pushed the first part a little bit higher. Yeah, for me, one of the the strength of Doctor Who f- for me has always been that Doctor Who is and can be anything. And here they took they took the the genre of the sci-fi thriller, something that Doctor Who hasn't done that often. Uh, maybe for you know, for reasons of cost or production, and, and they did it well, and they did it better than it than it's usually done in the movies. And mm-hmm. so I'm not I'm not bothered by the homages. I mean, uh, the uh, you know, you know, some might say ripoffs. You know, you could you could say things well, you know, tr- tr- connect things, but just like you know, back in, in in the Tom Baker years, you could connect certain stories directly to Phantom of the Opera and the mm. and the Mummy mm-hmm. and all of all of those sure. kinds of stories. Yeah. I think Doctor mm-hmm. Who done best is Doctor Who turning other things into Doctor Who. And <laughs> yeah, and that's yeah. what they did here. I'm not I'm not somebody who's known for being a, a huge fan of the more really sci fi uh style of Doctor Who stories. Uh, certainly in the new series, those have been some of my least favorite ones. So that that they've done such an amazing job here and, and given it a cinematic feel and, and to say, a really daring idea and daring script that keeps you thinking because it's left open-ended. And you can believe, or you, it's, it's up to you to have faith or not have faith in, or belief in what who the villain is. Well, I was mm. thinking after watching this episode that if Doctor Who ever really wanted to be colossally controversial, he would travel back to meet Christ, and you know, or I should say, I should <laughs> oh, say, no. meet Jesus. And there was there's an avenue that he they had the Christmas invasion, and yet Doctor Who makes no mention to what Christmas is. They go and he battles possibly Satan on a number of occasions, uh, and doesn't really address that issue. They they stay away from the theological issue. Uh, you know, he very easily could answer those questions, and 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 Doctor Who dodges that. They don't go down that avenue; they keep it a show for everyone. 
um, mm-hmm. and not trying to make any kind of grand political statement, you know? Yeah, or uh, be too controversial. Or be too controversial. Sure. And, and also found it interesting, this episode aired um, right around the time that the remake of The Omen comes out and was sanwiched between the date... Oh, you know, oh six, oh six, two thousand six. Yeah, yeah. I which think was, that was done on purpose. I'm sure. Uh, yeah, just really, just was some you know nice little odd connections going on there. That yeah, I wondered you know, about that. The six 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 date. <laughs> the timing of it. Sure, sure. I, you know, I don't think anything happens by accident. And and you know what the the mindset of people. There was a lot of publicity over the new Omen movie, so again, people were thinking horror, thinking devil, thinking you know these these kind of things. And Doctor Who just jumps right in and you know pulls the rug out from underneath a major uh, <laughs> movie. I mean, it's uh, what, a new uh, television that you, program. That's how good it is. Yeah. Interesting that you mentioned that they do it better than most theatrical releases, and I and I and that's a, just another. Is it a commentary on modern movie making or how good Doctor Who is? Is that they do things on television better than movies do? You know, I think or more creative than some movies are. I think it's more of a commentary on Doctor Who because they're they know. I mean, as as great as we can say the production values are on this story, they're still extremely limited what they can do. So they know mm-hmm. they're not gonna they're not gonna fill 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 seats in a theater through blowing things up, and uh, through you know just bombastic you know, you know uh, pounding the audience with effects. I mean the effects are great, but there's still most of the time there are no special effects on the screen or no visual effects on the screen, and they have they have to fill it up with. Uh, with with I guess either the good stuff the the you know the scene with uh, the scene with Toby and the voice behind him. Which is is my favorite scene out of the out of the whole thing that and yeah. uh, that and Toby out on the surface, which is more of an effect shot, obviously. It always goes back to the to the drama, the, to the the actors and the story and the things going on. That you know, then it is about you know, wow, look at that. that and, that's yeah, that's the most. Those are the, for me. Those are the most memorable scenes. Not not a planet exploding, right? Or not yeah. something going into the black yeah. hole. And I think that in the movies or in a, in a theatrical release. The number one memory would be some something exploding, and I'm not going to necessarily condemn that, but I think it's a lot tougher to make yeah, it a character moment or a dialogue moment. Well, that's the difference between a, a good movie and like Independence Day or whatever. It's it's where they just rely on the effects selling the movie, not the characters and story. Where Doctor Who's always the characters and stories selling, selling it. You know. Yeah, I mean, the, um, if we st- when we stand back, we admire the effects in this story. But I, when I'm watching it, I'm not thinking, "Wow, these effects are great." I'm, it's just the effects are supporting the script. Sure, yeah, supporting the, the story. It's the, the story's there story. first. Yeah, and, exactly. And they keep it running as opposed to distracting from it or replacing the story. And, that's, and that's you know what? You're, you're putting characters that you know, uh, that you believe in, and you're getting, you're feeling the story through their reaction to things. You know, like in other words, we see Rose react to certain things and we feel it with her because the character is believable. But if the character was cardboard, we wouldn't care about her reaction to things, her, her mm-hmm. thrill of discovery, or her her sheer terror over the mm-hmm. front window exploding, or things like that. Mm-hmm. And and making all the other characters in the story just as believable, uh, just you know ties it along. Well, that's really been great yeah. throughout the and two we have seasons. Such, we end up with such sympathy for the the Ood in this story, and then the, because they end up being the villain, and, and thankfully we don't see. The scenes of the gun down ood or the ood falling, 
uh, either in the you know, we see a couple of uh, of, of shaw dudes oh, no. in in the I guess in the tunnel, but yeah, um, because we, we we see them through Rose's eyes and you know her sympathy for them and their their situation, um, as opposed to something like Aliens, where obviously you don't have a lot of sympathy for the. The attacking creatures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If any at all, yeah. Well, here the Ood were taken over, so we know that yeah. wasn't their their nature to do what they did. That was their it was the beast that were yeah. manipulating them. And we feel bad for them, and I love at the end when the captain is he lists the Ood yeah. off individually. Mm-hmm. That they've right at yes. the at the end, it's they're they're all individuals. I mean, the, mm-hmm. they're all numbered, but uh, he doesn't just say fifty dead Ood. He uh, he starts and and. and left to sort of hopefully that's a turning point that you know once again uh one of the commentaries was oh you have slaves you know that uh, and and they get the captain they get these people to think about these creatures as as more than just their slave race yeah and, and it's in the future and once again humanity making errors that we thought we corrected in the past that once again like rose says well what do you need slaves for you know like it's just some of those kind of things are Add some depth to the story. Yeah, I, I just want to comment on my earlier comments about uh, maybe paralleling Alien and Aliens too much. I, I do want to make a mention that the movie Alien itself, which came out in 1979, it could be argued that it was it could have been influenced by Ark in Space, which was preceded it in, I believe, 1975. <laughs> because Ark in Space um, had very similar themes where you had this... Um, insect-like um, creature terrorizing um, a, um, a a spacefaring vessel, and um, they were taking over other members of the crew, and um, you know, not with chestbursters, but with bubble wrap. But well, you, could, you could make the argument that Keanu Reeves wouldn't have a uh, well franchise that, without the Deadly Assassin. Yeah, well, but I, my point was that it wasn't. You know, you, you it, it could have been. Um, Alien reflecting Doctor Who, and now Doctor Who's reflecting Alien. It's come full circle, is what, is what yeah. I'm getting. Well, yeah. it was interesting, too, uh, in a sci-fi, just in a general sci-fi context, that you saw in Attack of the Clones, the second Star Wars prequel, um, a Blade Runner-ish vibe towards the end when they were on uh, Coruscant. You know, there is Blade Runner was influenced by Star Wars, and then Star Wars was influenced by Blade Runner. It's, it's, in, it's nice... As history rolls on for for sci-fi to influence itself, um, Doctor Who influenced itself in yeah. in so far as the references to like you said to pyramids of Mars or to Green Death mm-hmm. or to Frontios or some of the, some of his own history without it being a particularly a sequel. Yeah, and in some yeah. ways, I like the fact that the Ood didn't mention Sutek. Because then that would have been like, oh, see, well, it was a sequel to the Pyramids of Mars. No, but it, it was wasn't. nice to have Gabriel's Gabriel's Ruth, uh, Wolf <laughs> as the voice, because it's sort of it, it sort of like ties it tight, but it. without you know, lo- like just sub, sub, subtly. subtly. Yeah. Yeah. Do- Doctor Who influenced an entire generation of children who went out and became creative people. Some of them came back to Doctor Who to make the new series, and now we got another generation of children that are going to be inspired by Doctor Who again. And they're going to go when, out. When we're older gentlemen in our graying and in our rocking chairs, we could look forward to them uh, no taking the from me. Thank well, you. You look, at, <laughs> you look at some of the new fans now. We're, we're already okay. older gentlemen. <laughs> Jet propel chair. <laughs> well, gentlemen, it, it's, we're, we're well after the two-hour mark, and I had promised that we were going to get Russell on board with us. So 
um, I think we need to conclude our reviews here and um, we're going to uh, quickly try to get Russell on board for a couple of minutes and then, um, so then we'll be right back with more Doctor Who Podchuck. Do you want to come with me? Because if you do, then I should warn you. You're going to see all sorts of things. Ghosts from the past, aliens from the future. The day the Earth died in a ball of flame. It won't be quiet, it won't be safe, and it won't be calm. But I tell you what it will be. I tell you what it will be. The trip of a lifetime. We're back with Doctor Who Podshock, and joining us um, is Russell Hale, our other Canadian correspondent. Uh, has joined us with uh, James and Ken and Mike Duran, our uh, other car- uh, Canadian correspondent. So, um, Russell, how are you doing? Okay, it's good to speak to you all again. It's been seems like it's been a few Podshock since I actually uh, had a chance to chat with you all. Yeah, yeah well, we've been um, very You're busy cool. here. <laughs> We're glad to have you back on board. Uh, so, Russell, it's our 21st anniversary, and yeah. we wanted to have you on board and uh, to chime in and uh, to see what you, where you're at with uh, Doctor Who. And uh, so, we're almost concluding the series right now. What's your thoughts on it? I think it's been a good second series so far. I know a lot of people have mixed results about uh, this week's episode. I've been loving monsters. Uh, not, not one without of, giving a thing away. Uh, thumbs up or thumbs down for you? Uh, you know what? It, not one of my favorites of the of the season oh. so far. Okay. You All know? right. I, I see Fair what enough. they were trying to do, but I enjoyed Satan's Pit and Possible Planet a heck of a lot better. Oh, yeah. same here. Oh, yeah. That that's the who I want. Bring more of that. And um, I, I couldn't agree with you more, Russell. <laughs> But overall, I'm looking forward to the last three episodes. Not sure about Fear Her, but I'm hoping the last two are are strong, yeah. like the first series. Yeah. yeah. I, the coming attractions for next week's didn't really... I'm, I'm a little worried, <laughs> but we'll see. We'll try to be fair and give it a chance. Indeed. Yeah. But, you know, you guys were mentioning earlier about how Doctor Who can be many things. Yeah. And with... Uh, an episode, and I haven't seen Love and Monsters yet, but in order to have the Satan pit and have it work, Doctor Who has to be able to jump and be campy at times, to be funny at times, to be silly at times, or to be serious and deep and uh, or scary at yeah, times. It just needs to keep yeah. its believability. I mean, even Star Trek had its trouble with Tribbles, which was a very popular episode. It wasn't completely absurd as far as the science behind it. But yeah, I'm I guess I'm with Ken here. I think that uh, it's it's because Doctor Who can have love and monsters, and it can have Impossible Planet two weeks ago, and they're almost they're they're, compl- they're completely different, but they're both completely Doctor Who, and and I love yeah. that about Doctor uh, Who. Yeah. That there's room to do. But I, I, it wouldn't it wouldn't be Doctor Who if I, they couldn't just go all. I over disagree the place with you me. saying that it's Doctor Who. I, I would argue that with Love and Monsters, but I mean, I, it's not the change of format that really. You know, drove me um, away from that. It was just 
the believability of um, of what happened in it. And then without giving anything away, I can't really go into details about it. But no, it, it definitely it, it wasn't an episode where you saw a lot of Billy and David. So without giving <laughs> well, much away, that, that definitely is the case. Well, I'm, I'm sure we'll be talking about it for a very long time. We're so going to be talking about it next week. We have yeah. to conclude <laughs> uh, today's podcast because we're running out of time. And uh, once again, thank you, everyone, uh, for our being on our 21st anniversary show. We want to have more people on board, but uh, time, we ran out of time. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I just want to say before we all wrap up, it's it's been a pleasure uh, being part of Podshock. I know Mike and I enjoyed being the Canadian correspondents, and we're looking forward to the end of this season and the Christmas special and then season three coming up next year. So it, uh, I, I guess I speak on behalf of Mike and saying it's been a pleasure being part of the crew. Yes. As much as we can. We're going to have, uh, we're going to, our listeners will hear more uh, from you because you have several reviews in the can that uh, will be, um, you know, playing in the future and future yes. episodes. And so. I do want to mention a big shout out. Thank you to Ben on the forums for posting that comment on episode 40 about me. Oh, Thank oh, you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was the best uh, feedback I've se seen from Podshock fans, and I, I appreciate the shout-out. Thank you for that, that compliment. That was very a nice surprise. And uh, we want to thank your dog in the background for his uh, two cents as well. Yes, you know what? I had quiet afternoon all day, and then the dogs plagued me. So sorry, folks. That's all right. Mike, thank you for being on board. We appreciate yeah, your, cheers, Mike. your yeah, news and to, input. Great to take part. And obvious, obviously now I know Russell and I are different people since for the first time we're both here together. <laughs> yes, that is the punch off first. And we have two, two friends in the north. Yes. There yes. we go. There and, we go. Um, we'll get Chris on board too, our Australian correspondent. Uh, we haven't heard from Chris lately. Chris, you all right? Chris? Yeah, <laughs> drop us a line, mate. Okay. Drop us a line. Well, uh, come back next week for another episode of Doctor Who Podshock and uh, where we'll review um, Love and Monsters, and um, we'll go from there. For so, Mike and indeed. Russell, James across the pond, me, Ken Deep, and Mr. Louis Trapani, the the guy who holds it all together for podcast. <laughs> I use a lot of duct tape. We'll see everybody <laughs> next week. Happy Father's Goodbye, Day. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Goodbye. Cheers. Bye-bye. Listening to Doctor Who Podshop by the fan run GallifreyanEmbassy.org. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Come back next week for another exciting and informative episode of Doctor Who Podshock. You can email us at feedback at podshock.net. Um, there that thanks. Would you like sauce with that? I'll have a go, yeah. I did that job once. I was a, a dinner lady. Not that I'm calling you a lady. Although I don't know, you might be. Do you actually get paid, though? Do they give you money? The beast and his armies shall rise from the pit to make war against God. I'm sorry? 
Apologies, I said. I hope you enjoy your meal. Yeah.